Hey, Ian, you ready? I bet I am. What are we talking about tonight? And talk about guns? If it's not a 30 cal, I'm not in. Jeez, mate, that's not very inclusive. Have you seen Jono? Hey, Jono, you ready? Well, God knows where he is, mate. He's probably caught up in the neighbor's wire again. Are you ready to go? Let's do this. Mate, I'm ready. Let's crank it up. Righto then. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the Hunter's Campfire, where we're going to talk about all things hunting and the great outdoors. And we'll probably throw in a few tips along the way. You want a tip? Say it once, say it a thousand times. Goats love rocks. Or a few things about deer. Mark, what do you reckon about deer? As a deer hunter, I love hunting pigs. Well, that's about as useful as I expected it to be. Oh, check it out. Here comes Jono. He's being chased by the neighbor's dog. Okay, guys, let's get this started. Welcome to the Hunter's Campfire. Pull up a chair, get comfortable. It's time for the Hunter's Campfire. There's the pause and good evening, gents, and welcome Lawson from uh, Bailing, Scaling and Barbecue. Welcome to the Hunter's Campfire this evening. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Well, I think Thanks. before we get started, I think we'll do a quick run the traps. It's been a little while since we've done a podcast, gents. So I think we've probably got some catching up to do. Yeah. Yes, isn't it? Yeah. I know Hills has got a bit of news. What, what have you been up to these days, mate? <laughs> news? I don't know if it's news. I've plastered it all over social media. <laughs> Um, no, well, I'm, I'm a pretty excitable fella right now. I found it a little bit hard to sleep over the last couple of weeks because I decided to pick up competition down the line, trap shooting again. I did it um, 10 years ago. had a whale of a time with a buddy of mine and travelled around the country. Um, very, very competitive, um, chasing every competition we could, spending ridiculous amounts of money, like I say, to potentially win a toaster because that's how good the prizes were after you'd spent <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of dollars on rounds and travel and nominations and things like that. But bragging rights, as we know, fellas, are king. Um, they're worth way more than the money you spend. Um, but, yeah, eventually I um, I, I, uh, I gave it away in pursuit of other things and, um, yeah, picked it up again a couple of weeks with a little bit of encouragement from a few people we're connected with and, um, yeah, Picked up the shotgun, went down to the, the local club, shot a really nice round in practice and thought, oh, I can still do this. And I did the same thing this afternoon. So I went down and had another practice and um, managed to smack most of the clays. So I'm into my first comp this weekend. So it's all on. We're into it. Unfortunately, I'm not really shooting a trap gun yet. How's and the shoulder? My, my shoulder. I, I, was, I, I, won't, I won't name the gun because I don't want to ruin it for someone, but... Um, my shoulder after 50 rounds, I might get called every soft name under the sun here, but I was bleeding. My shoulder was bleeding from the recoil. It was that bloody rough, this thing I was using, that it it, it broke the skin after 50 rounds, and I've, I've nursed that a little bit. And, um, yeah, anyway, I uh, took some advice from my lovely wife, and I carved up a sleeping mat, you know, one of those blue sleeping mats, put it in the insert inside my shooting vest and went back down again this afternoon and it was perfect. So pump for the weekend. But that's my, uh, that's my new hobby. You'll see a lot of that uh, in and around the, the podcast and the socials as we, we pick up a new segment. Um, 
it's a it's a great pastime and, and something we'll talk quite a bit about um, how people might want to get into it and you know um, instinctive shooting can be improved by ongoing trap shooting and things like that so yeah it's a it's a great thing and yeah, really looking forward to this weekend I'll keep you posted yeah I'm I'm keen to see the um I want to see the the effects of that shotgun on you <laughs> 200 rounds this weekend I'm going to be crippled Oh, you're no, no. bleeding. The old sleeping mat. The great. going to get out with sleeping bag tied on his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, I was about um, three foot off your arm. It was rough. I tell you, it was rough. Yeah. Better, might be better off getting a club gun. But um, yeah, it's a very it's. A, well, I do have that big Frankie down here. That's a lot heavier. That should work for you. Yeah, no doubt. Well, that's a good point. That's Doing yeah, much I'll of that. I'll lend you my Beretta. Oh, now I've got guns coming out everywhere. Also, yeah. what do you got? Well, 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 I've actually got that. Um, uh, what's the name? It's an English shotgun. I've got an English shotgun in there, but it's side by side. It's choked though. That's a very nice gun too. Um, and I got the uh, the, the twenty-eight ball. Well, I picked up that twenty-eight gauge. Uh, the <laughs> ring net. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. That's a lovely light, but she's a lovely gun. I'd like yeah, a twenty gauge myself. So I, was, I did a lot of shooting with the twenty gauge. I love the twenty. Yeah. I was saying but, on the way here that hunters tend to chase animals around in the bush and if you get something good, uh, you hang it on the wall. Well, my latest trophy, yep. I'm going to be pursuing this bugger backwards. It's a clay target. I'll be pursuing this with rigor. Mm. So it's uh, good fun. What about you guys? Mark, what are you going up to, mate? So, uh, well, I'm actually getting get a chance to go out tomorrow. So I'm heading up to the block tomorrow around two it looks like it won't actually be a million degrees it seems yeah, to change. we had a bit of a cool change coming so I, i'm sure i'll be uncomfortable but i won't be dead up there because yeah. it's the first time of the, the year i've been able to get up there so i'm you know carrying a backpack for five hours in the afternoon so it'll be a workout so i want to go check the cameras um and uh i want to i'm also playing around with the infrared um one of the thermals as well tomorrow night. The tube, eh? So I'm going to stay up there. No, not the tube. I've got the uh, the um, a finder. I think it's called the finder finder version two, which is uh, kind of like a side mount one. Uh, so and it's got the laser range finder in it too, which is quite. So I'm going to I'm going to get up there, grab the cameras as pretty much straight away, and then find somewhere to sit up and wait for the sun to go down and see what what a, what appears. And see if we can see something on the thermal as well. Um, and then uh, we've got a, a trip coming up with Mark Hobbs very soon, which would be great. Yeah. Down his be great. Which would be the first proper trip I've had of the year, which would be great. We'll head down there. And then I want to take the, the little BRX down there and see, well, not little, but the BRX down there and see if we can um, introduce it to some bacon. That's my, my goal for the weekend. And uh, the, interestingly, I got. Uh, the from um, OSA, I've got a new uh, rifle coming in for review, which is uh, one of the new Sowers. I don't even know what it is, but it's okay. coming. Yeah, they they released it. They have released the five oh five. I'm hoping it's that because they're just ridiculously nice with guns. But mm. I don't know if that's what they're sending me. I hope so. Well, but, I've got yeah. the um the Sow one hundred. Yeah, you got the one hundred. 
Yeah, which I is a beautiful ruffle. I've just well, they've released a five hundred five, which is a hark back to those two hundred twos, which were the you know the elegance and stuff. It was actually, the model was actually called the elegance. You know, they had grade four timber and stuff. So I'm kind of hoping it's going to be something like that, but I don't know. So that's coming in. So rifle review is the next bit of work for me, and uh, SSA magazine starts in February. So this is the first uh, month. So that'll start kicking up. SSA magazine. Yeah, the Australian shooter. Australian shooter shoots uh, is eleven. It's a it's a monthly, but it's only for it's from February to December. Doesn't do a general oh, publication. I've got the February one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad you brought it up. Here's a description about Mark. You know me. I'm Dad, world-renowned gun mm. writer, thought-provoking <laughs> columnist, hunter extraordinaire. <laughs> social media sensation <laughs> library of congress like font of knowledge and ruggedly handsome yeah. think of the gen yeah. x version of josie wales mm-hmm. now you wrote that didn't you Mark? Wales is, and the rest of it made no sense to me either um, um good job mark i'm glad you've got a column well written mark well written <laughs> that was a, that's the one about the boy isn't it it's the one about the boy yeah i yeah. um I just had to circle that bit there and yeah. make sure I read it out. But there, there, there's you may be there's a bit of an intro and outro of that. But anyway, no, I, I get just the gist of it. Read the good bit. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah well I think I, I think I opened that by saying, "Hey, look, I made it for a second here." Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. I'm still here, and you're still reading my back column. That's it. Um, so yeah, so the column, and so the, I think next month actually, um, they were called thumbs. <laughs> Some storm last night. The um, uh, Savage One Ten High Country in six point five Creedmoor comes out. That I think that I reviewed that rifle last year. And I think that drops next month, and then in April the BRX review, which is a two parter, drops. So I've got a few rifles being reviewed and cooking through the books. Yes, and of course, we, the, the the interesting um, commentary about six point five—it's very strange, really. But anyway, yeah, it's been going around on the uh, on the hunt camp yeah, yeah. chat that we've got, oh, haven't we? Didn't that go off last night? Yep. Yeah. Well, um, one one particular corner it did. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, talking about gun reviews. Um, obviously, a resident gun reviewer. If you've got questions about uh, various different guns and <clears throat> what you might think about them. Um, feel free to post your questions in. We're going to start another segment here, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's going to be something like Ask the Beretta Workshop. Uh, we haven't asked Beretta about this yet, but <laughs> I reckon they're going to be all right. That's um, the limb we're going out on. The limb we're going out on. <laughs> they don't yeah. know about it. You, you may remember Byron uh, from uh, the Beretta Workshops on a few episodes back. Uh, he came and spoke to us about customization and those sorts of things. Well, we're going to arm wrestle him into answering your questions. So if you've got any questions about customization, maintenance, how to look after your gun, I don't know, other stuff, workshop guys might want to tell you about, then um, buy your questions out of us and we'll make sure they get answered for the next podcast. So I guess on that, that's a good from, – from the Beretta workshop, I actually had my Sour 100. Um, I sent it down to the Beretta workshop to have it um, seracoded. So, um, yeah, it's uh, they don't just do Beretta firearms. That's they right. do any make and model, um, and they did an awesome job. I had the, uh, the yeah the whole barrel, everything, even the action got seracoded, and I had the magazine done, Blaze Orange as well, which came out really, really good. 
Um, so I'm looking forward to uh, taking that to the territory this year. They even do engraving too. So they do all that stuff, which is really cool. Um, but you, Ian, did you say you don't know who Jay-Z Wales is? Yeah, and I haven't bothered Googling it either because I haven't stopped talking. My God. I don't know either. <laughs> My God, you millennials just like, if it didn't happen 10 minutes ago, you just don't know about it. millennial? You mean, yeah, millennial. Hey? Well, how old are you? Me? Yeah. I'm 44 this year. That makes you millennial, mate. Huh. I'm, no, I'm on the border. I was born in 1980. I'm border of Gen whatever it is. When's the millennial uh, year? In 1980, Gen. What? I'm, I'm Googling this. I'm Gen X. Look at that. I'm Gen X. You're not Gen X. I am. Generation X is a term used to describe the generations born between 1965 and 1980. We are Gen X. Oh, so you're going to go lower, yeah? Well, 1980. I was born in 1980. So, yeah. Well, that, it's, then I'm, I'm even more disappointed that you don't know who Jay's, Jay's you're Gen X yeah, and you gonna, don't know I'm who Jay's Wales is. Lawson's going to tell us who it is. Nah, 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 you're on your own. <laughs> Mark, you're showing your age. That's it. I'm showing, that, I'm, I'm showing that I'm a Gen Xer. That's what it is. Jay's Wales is a character played by he's Clint Eastwood. Right. It's one of his. And it, you should all watch The Outlaw Jay's Wales. It is a fantastic film. Okay. Um, it is one of it, was, it is a fantastic western. It was released in 1976. That's right. Probably, I, I wasn't even, was even bought. I was alive then. <laughs> I probably seen it, but I wish I remember it. Ah, it's Long, fantastic weather. It was I, one of the, one of the best westerns. One of the best. Yeah, it's John Wayne and Clint Eastwood, in my opinion. Yeah, well, yeah. I reckon the Search is the best western ever made, and the second yeah. best, I think, is Josie Wales. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, the like homework it. is to watch the movie. And number three, I think, is True Grit. Oh, I like the Cowboys. The, the Cowboys? Oh, yeah. that was, oh the, 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 the cusp of Westerns. Oh, yeah, the Cowboys, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The young, young team, the young lads. Yes. Yeah. Young Guns is about as Western as I get. Yeah. <laughs> See, he, just keeps, he just can't help himself, can he? <laughs> Uh, before before we get away from the Beretta workshop, in the absence of Beretta's approval to do this uh, and their ability to be here tonight, uh, Mark, I'm going to ask you the first question for the okay the, sure. work, the workshop question uh, without notice. Okay, Because I think sure. you can answer it. Okay. Uh, this is from our good mate Frank. Okay. He sent us a question yesterday. Um, what's the correct tension for a scope for, for the mount screw? And does depends it vary with every caliber? Depends, 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 yeah, sure. depends, depends. That's what I thought the answer so would be. So generally, generally. So the whole question? So what, what are you saying? What is the correct scope mount screws and does it vary with caliber? No. It usually varies with design. Or manufacturer. Yeah, well, yeah the, the design of the scope mount rather than the caliber. Um, so, but generally, and I say generally, so if you think about a scope ring with an integrated mount, so not a two-piece, a one-piece. It it connects to the rifle somehow on a pick rail or on, on a you know on a um, uh, integrated component of the of the action. So like a dovetail or something like that. That tension is generally higher than the the one that clamps the scope. And generally, it's somewhere between. 15 and 20 on the scope and generally somewhere what, what? 
15 to 21. Uh, above you. You, that, you. know that little... Foot counts. You know that... You know that... Foot counts. That ring I used to the talk one. Yeah, not the one that you need two hands. <laughs> not that one? Yeah, the one that you need to change a tyre. Yeah, not one to get, not one to get the press, the, the correct talk yeah, on the table. Story, yeah, so yeah. basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess you talk, man. Sorry, yeah, so I was going to say, Lawson, for your benefit, I don't know if you know this, but Ian bought one of those <laughs> torque wrenches that you used to talk talk your tires. No, 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 no. To no, try no, and no, do no, this. No, 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 no. You did. You did. No, no. Well, no, let's put. It. I, was, I no, said, no. Ian. I said, do you actually? I said, do you have a torque wrench for the scope? And he said, yeah. But the one I bought doesn't go down low enough. And we went, what Ready? kind of one did you buy? And he, and he got it from an auto oh, case. I, you know I'm the hack of the group when it comes to this stuff, right? So, so it's like a two-handed um, one. So he's here on the scope with both hands and the foot on the bench. On my so scope. usually, so where it mounts to the rifle is usually the higher um, uh higher and where the scope mount so generally with the scope you want to be about 20, 15 and 20 and anywhere with the scope mount is 30 but then you get weird things so what happens is you then you get weird things like um aim point which just basically say screw oh. it up till the plastic starts the plastic flexing. Flexing. a little plastic <laughs> screwdriver and they yeah, say, okay, screw it sure. up until yeah. it flexes. so that's what it is um and ruger if i remember correctly there's uh they're they're Mounting ten, uh, uh, tension is quite high too. It's in the forties or something like that. But they've got those weird mounts that you know are a different height, um, and they're 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 a higher poundage. Um, but you don't want to go really anything over mostly on a scope over eighteen because you'll crush the body of the scope. Okay, and it should be in the manual. So, unfortunately, it's often not. It's one of those hard things to find out. Um, I find if you go on the manufacturer's website, like Burris, for instance, I've got Burris rings of mine. They also they come with it, actually. And as you know, we, we we actually the conversation that this stems from was from a scope fitting, and I had to I had a ring around because I could not find what they wanted the particular one on this on this particular scope was. So I had a ring around and finally found someone and said, "This is what it was." And hmm. I know that um, the Optilocks don't make it particularly easy to find that information either. Um, so yeah, it's a bit, it can be a bit tricky. So, um, you know, a lot of guys go just by finger tight and things like that. You really want to get that right. And if we're going to do a, a little sidebar, when you mount the, um, you, you onto your uh, pick rail or whatever it is, especially if you're mounting on a pick rail, you'll notice the mount will have a recoil lug. Okay. And that's like a little, um, metal knob that sits in the base of the mount where it mounts onto the rifle, the recoil lug. Now, there's a lot of argument is should the recoil lug go, say, to the back of the rifle or to the front of the rifle? Um, the best way that I describe that is you do it to the front of the rifle. So if you think about a pick rail now, a pick tinny rail, and you've got the, little, the, the risers, you want it on the front riser. And the reason for that is if you think about recoil, when the gun recoils and i'm shooting that way and the recoil is going that way if it's on the front it pushes it it pushes the whole lot back what you don't want is to have a space between them so they punch mm. and if you're if you're finding that your scope is that often people have put that on the wrong way and so when the scope when the recoil happens and the, it's snapping it's or, or punching the scope back a little bit 
And sometimes it'll slide forward again. And it can be quite a difficult thing to spot. So just as important as um, poundage or is um, or torque is how you mount those recoil lugs. Good answer. John has just decided he didn't want any more of that. He's just, he's said no. Is that enough? He you know what he's doing. He's going to go check his scope mounts right now. So uh, any other questions while we I'll wait you for John to reappear? Since, since John has uh, disappeared and it'll, um, it'll buy us a, a minute before we start to interrogate Lawson. Um, so question, strangely again, came from Frank. Frank's our only listener. He sends us all the questions. Okay, question for the Brains Trust. Can you explain what hydrostatic shock does to an animal when it's struck by a projectile and how it can be used as an advantage when selecting where bullet placement on animals should be? Also, projectiles have different forms of expansion that alter the amount of hydrostatic shock delivered to the target in a certain length of wound cavity. How do or could hunters use this to their advantage? So I guess you want to explain what hydrostatic shock is, or maybe correct the word hydrostatic if we're going to look at hydro. Sure. Okay. This is an interesting one because there is much research to say that the hydrostatic shock doesn't exist, which people go, huh? That's what I said. Hydrostatic shock is pressure wave shock. And the, that's where the shock comes from is a pressure wave. And what the shock is, is it shocks fluid hydra. And so technically the idea in an animal, it, 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 the shock affects tissue and potentially organs. So the idea is you hit this animal and the shock wave goes through this animal and it affects tissue and organs. Hydrostatic shock is usually associated with um, supersonic explosions. So, you know when you see like a big bomb go off and you see that kind of thing go through the air? Yeah. That, like, and, yeah, but it's that shock wave doesn't happen unless it's supersonic. Okay, so if you throw a barrel of petrol onto a fire, it might be bloody hot and stuff like that, but it doesn't shoot out a shock wave because it's not supersonic because it doesn't burn and detonate at supersonic speed. But like, for instance, that, you know, that whatever, it blew up in Lebanon when that at that port that wiped out Ooh. half of Lebanon, yeah. you know, and it just went, this thing went through the city and blew things up. That is what drives, that's what causes hydrostatic shock. And so tradition, well, the idea was that in World War One, they'd find people who were dead, but they didn't have any injuries. And they thought, and they they came to this conclusion: it's hydrostatic shock. That basically the shock wave shakes your insides up so much you die. The general consensus is a bullet doesn't create hydrostatic shock; it creates a different type of shock, which is a energy transfer shock, which is sometimes called hydraulic shock. And the best way to describe that is if you get punched. Or say someone hits you with something, you'll get a impact point, and then you'll get damage around that impact point, and that damage will be lesser than the impact point. So uh, you know, if you were to hit like you know, say if you got a table and you got things on the table and you hit the table, things jump up, and the reason they don't get damage is they jump up unless they they break on landing. But if you were to have the same table and somehow compress those things and hit them with the hammer, 
that shock wave could that energy transfer could damage them because they're actually the energy is confined. So when you hit a living organism, the bullet strikes it, and there's the impact zone, and then that's why you know if you shoot a deer in the in the in the shoulder, sometimes you go, "Well, that's dog food," because there's the hit, yeah. and then there's massive bruising all around. Okay, that's often referred to as hydraulic shock. So I, sometimes people, when they talk about shock, they're talking about, I think they're talking about hydraulic shock. So how do you make the most out of hydraulic shock? And the two ways to make most out of hydraulic shock is, one, what kind of bullet you're using, and two, where you stick that bullet. So if you shoot a goat in a bum, it might blow its back legs off, but there's no real vital organs there for it to. So yeah, you might smash its leg, you may bruise it, but that it might it probably won't kill it straight off. But if you shoot something in the heart lung region, you just damp that. So there's the point of entry, the impact, and then there's damage associated that with that. So you know, you might blow one lung, you might blow both lungs, you might blow the heart out, something like that. So. So obviously where you put it, there's if there's more things to hurt, it's going to have more, you know, it's going to be a more lethal shot. And, and that's, more vital things to hurt. That's yeah. right. And the vitals. And that's and that's it. So if you wanna if you wanna hurt something, you shoot it in the vitals. And the interesting thing about humans is our vitals tend to be kind of compacted. You know, we don't have our lungs and our feet and the heads and you know, heart our bum and stuff are all together. So that shot placement becomes really, really important. Um the other issue is about energy transfer. So the more energy you can transfer into the cavity and through the cavity, the more damage you do. So that's when you get the idea of projectiles and penetration. Some projectiles like vomit projectiles work on the fact that they disintegrate and little bits of shrapnel go through all through the animal and kill the animal and say so your skin's good. That's, you know, that's why they like vomiting around for th- for things that you want to skin because it does kills them but doesn't damage damage the skin. The other is, of course, your things like your um, you know, your monolithic projectiles and the projectiles that are designed to create cutting channels which do horrible damages. They rip through the the animal and they get penetration. So you know the barns with the little leaves that fall over, wine, you know the little pretty flowers they make, and the razor sharp edges go through. So that continues to do damage as it goes through. the 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 kind of the balance to all that is what is the resistance of the animal, and you know, if you've ever shot a, if you've ever seen a buffalo skull shot, sometimes when they shoot him in the head, they'll just be like this perfect drill hole through the head. Hmm. You know, someone's that's just generally, that's generally a solid. Yeah, but what it is is that skull is has enough to resistance not to disintegrate when that thing hits it in the forehead. It holds together, which makes a really good mate. But if you know, if you shoot a deer in the head, and you go then to do something, the head it's just a bag of bones inside. You know, it is broken bones inside skin. So the animal's resistance, you know, its ability to absorb energy or otherwise also has an effect on that. So that's why you say, you know, you say things like that's a soft skin game or that's a dangerous game or something like that. You know, the, the, the animal itself has a component in that. And Lawson, you know about shooting pigs, you know, you shoot a big boar in the shoulders and it's got fighting pads, it can absorb a fair old whack in that space. Yeah. 
Um, but if you said fired the same shot on a deer with the same rifle and the same caliber, you know, you blow, blow, blow both shoulders out. Yeah. So that's another thing to factor in this. What are you shooting? So what are you shooting? Where are you shooting it? And what are you shooting it with? All are going to be relative to the effectiveness you have in the kill shot. Thank you. Good answer. Yep. That was a good answer. Very thorough. So that Billy, I shot. So I, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll admit it. I shot. I've shot two um, trophy Billies in the Pilliga, and the first one I shot, I shot him in the nuts. <laughs> now it blew off. It blew off his nut. I saw it go. Oh, <laughs> what a way and, to go! But he didn't die from it. No now, shit. For most of us, for most of us, we got shot in the nuts, it'd be out. We'd be out. But as an example, I was using 306, so I was using significant caliber. Are you going to bring a hydraulic shot? I was shot using in? a soft point, which was certainly able to handle a thin skins game like uh, like a Billy. But my shot was bad and I blew his nuts off. <laughs> now, we might regard that as a vital for us, especially if you still <laughs> if you still like to, you know, have fun on a Saturday night. But from an existence point of view, it wasn't vital. So that Billy kept moving, so I had to shoot him again and put him down. So they're all the factors that come into play. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. The follow-up shot was quick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've never heard an animal. It sounded like he was in pain. Really, it, it actually sounded. <laughs> really, it was a. It was like mm, okay. So I had. A, I had. A, I had. A, I went. Oh Jesus! Bang! And shot him again. And it, but it was all very quick. But I saw. I saw it go. I went. Oh, poor goats bus. have this uncanny ability to make horrible death noises when they're dying. Yeah, I haven't heard that too often. But I did, oh. and he. I did hear it for that one. Yeah. Because he was quartering, he was kind of going away from me. So it wasn't a Texas. He was going away, and I shot low, and it went literally. He must have just the legs are just. He must have just did that as the shot went. Oh, what a way! Yeah, what a way! Do you you count that as a miss, but well, it did slow him down. (laughs) Mark likes to slow things down before he finishes them off. Whoa, no, shit, crank, crank, bang. You know, we're we're talking seconds here, but it was like I did see it go, oh, 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 hang on. So, yeah. Social media sensation and hunter extraordinaire. (laughs) Shoot him in the nuts. Shoot him in the nuts. Kick him, shoot him in the (laughs) nuts. All right. Very good. There are questions for the afternoon. Uh, Let's get into Let's settle down for a second. Everyone, (laughs) take a deep breath. Welcome again to the podcast, Lawson. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Thank you. No, no, it's great. I'm I'm glad it's finally been organised because I think you've got a a really big following across both of your um, channels. So baiting, scaling, and barbecuing, and wild game on the open flame. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure that I even realised that. I thought there were two different Lawsons out there that were doing similar. Yeah, I'm I'm everywhere. I feel like at the moment. Um, yeah, there's two channels now, so um, just the way the world's going. Uh, I think bailing, scaling, barbecue is probably going to wind down a little bit, and um, the wild game's probably going to take a bit of a step up. Um, just because I think everyone these days, like every question I've been getting asked lately is, um, "Do you eat?" 
you eat what you kill. And um, yeah. normally oh, okay. I do. Normally I do. Not, not only, I don't eat all the, most of the pigs I get, but um, some pigs I wouldn't in some certain areas that I hunt. Mm. Um, I'll eat them if they're healthy and they look fine. I'll, I'll do certain things with them. But um, it's a question I get. Being getting asked a lot, especially in Brisbane, you know, do you eat what you kill? And I kind of thought, well, we might as well. Because of the algorithms as well, I've kind of gone away from BSB and gone towards wild game and thought with my butchering skills, so I was a butcher for 10 years, so I'll, um, I'll do the uh, cooking on fire because I love cooking as well. And I think that's awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah. It is good. Uh, we'll, we'll dive a lot into that in a minute. Uh, I want to go back to the pigs thing, though, because it comes up a lot. It's something where we're looking at getting answered by a couple of different people around why you should, why you shouldn't what to look for, etc. We'll get a scientific person to come on and answer it yeah. from a biosecurity perspective. We've got someone hopefully lined up for that, but I'm really interested in your perspective on on wild pork. Um, there's no no disputing it tastes bloody good, but there's a lot of danger involved with that. And, yeah, yeah. What, what, what are you looking for? And I, I know there's the obvious things like, you know, sometimes you can shoot a pig and you can smell it from – you know, yeah. 10, 10, 20 metres away before you get to it, it's obviously fairly fairly ranked to start with. You're not going to touch it. But um, outside that is an obvious thing. Like, are there are things you're looking at. Like, what what makes you decide to leave one alone or, or take a back leg? Um, there's, there's quite a few things I look at, and I'm and I'm pretty um, pretty picky with the whole. When I especially you get up to the animal, you have a look at. Um, I've got an episode coming out. Um, I'm not sure when it's going to come out. Well, the guy we filmed it, uh, filmed it with was sad, sadly killed. Um, oh, but it was a, it's going to be a cracking episode because we do a, a great stalk on the pig. Um, Jesse shoots him, uh, perfect perfect uh, shot, drops him, and he was just a nice, healthy young boar. And was probably getting to the stage where you, you, you leave him because of the smell, you'd leave him, but he just, he was in such prime condition. Um, we still took some legs. So, um, when that video comes out, it's probably, I explain a lot while I'm doing the cutting up, but first thing I look at is the smell, the condition they're in. Um, second thing is I'm looking at if they've got bugs and ticks and everything. If they've got all that over them, I'm not touching them because I don't want that on me. So ticks and bugs, what what other sort of bugs are you looking at? Lice and stuff? Oh, yeah, lice and stuff. If, if they're covering it, I'm not going to touch them. Um, and then if they obviously pass that kind of test, I'll look at um, cutting them open, having a look at the guts, uh, the liver. If they've got spots in the liver, uh, not touching it. Uh, any kind of worms. Obviously, you try and do all this with gloves on. Um, yeah, so we're going to ask you, so, yep. That's yeah, awesome. try and do a gloves on. If you don't have gloves, soap, make sure you've got some sort of butcher's. Um, most times, if I, I've got a vehicle close by, so I've got butcher-grade soap in the back there. We'll just wash your hands um, very thoroughly. Um, yeah, so age, looking at the liver, the heart, the guts, making sure there's nothing in there. Um, if there's anything, you just doubt it. Just walk away. I'm just. I'm not risking it, especially for my my sake. Um, late, lately, I've just been making sausages and ham and bacon out of them. I haven't been keeping as in raw because um, I think with the the chemicals in the brining stuff, I do think that makes it a lot more safer. Um, oh, okay. So, 
Yeah, because you got the um, you got the nitrates, <laughs> the stuff that makes something like preservatives to uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, too. I mean, that's why you preserve things, isn't it? Yeah. So but. I I do a lot of that with my my pork and sausages as well because you can get sausages and you can put preservative in them that makes them last longer. Slash cabana and small goods. So most of my pork would be more ham, bacon, and small goods, um, which is kind of what they're back. You know, really, if you look at most pork, that's what they are anyway. Um, yeah, back fat is uh, ham and bacon. So, um, yeah, loin chops and stuff, really, it's got to be a, a young pig and it's got to be uh, – most times it's mates catching a pig and obviously worming them and looking after them and doing their own feeding, that kind of thing, which is, um, yeah, probably a bit, bit, bit too much hard work for me personally. But, um, mm. yeah, I'd just go out and buy a pork chop if I have to. I guess habitat uh, plays a big part in that as well. Yeah. Um, I went out, uh, I'll just say Brisbane Valley um, area. It's quite a rainforesty spot, and we got a pig the other week. He would have been a very young pig, uh, great condition, very fat. Uh, he's on my social media um, stuff. Uh, the, do- the dogs caught him, uh, just followed him up, talking about um, nutsacks getting shot off, Mark. That's a... Uh, um, a dog grabbing nutsack, and that's also another painful situation. Um, that makes him sit down. So, yeah, that pig we got there, uh, he was very young. Uh, he was very big but very young, and he, he was in prime condition. Um, I've got his hands in the freezer because I'm going to make some ham out of him. Um, yeah, he was just in perfect condition. Mm. Lush green grass. He, he basically, you could see where he'd walk from the night before. You know he's not eating carcasses and things like yeah, that. I shot yeah, I that much fit around. Yeah. I shot a tanner up in the Brisbane Valley three, four years ago, and he was the yeah. He should have been pink with the curly tail and the ribbon around yeah. him. You know, he was he was that. It just had rolls yeah. of fat on him and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. but it, it, habitats important. Habitat, yeah. Like. I've I, I've shot and taken a pig from Nundle, and again it was in a very good condition. But when we were at Pilliga in 2018, and we shot a number of pigs there, they were all just that was rotten. Yeah. Um, and you know, and uh, the the hair just dries out. Yeah, it gets very really wiry. Um, yeah, wiry. Yeah, and. These ones were so bad, they got that weird thing where the head kind of looks too big for the body. Yeah. They start to, you know, emaciate. And yeah. what we noticed was when we first saw them, we thought they all had, uh, they were all from the same, you know, litter because they had this, like, white stripe on their nose. And what we realised once we started knocking a few over is that was they'd worn off the hair on their nose from digging all the time. It was so yeah. bad there at the time. This is 2018, so dry. and. They were digging all the time, but yeah, you know, and that technically, you know, the difference, the the distance between Nundle and the Pilliger is not that great. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were just two completely different types of pigs. Yeah, it's uh, interesting to look at pigs. I grew up out in Central Queensland in a little town called Munnabara. Um, That's where all the dinosaurs and, are. Yeah, yeah, the Munnabara dinosaur, uh, Munnabara sorry. Um, it's interesting to look at those pigs, the central Queensland, oh, I shouldn't say, more of a western Queensland pig, to 
the Gundawindi pig to the Cape York pig to the Nundal rainforest coastal pig there. There's such a difference in, in the kind of pig they are. Um, like the pig we got a couple of weekends ago, he would have been only a year, probably just two years at tops. No tusks, nothing like that. Um, where if you've got a pig out in the west, western downs, he'd be flat out being 40 kilos. Um, mm. Probably have good good teeth, but, um, you know, he'd be wrung out, struggling for a feed. It's, it's just interesting to, to look mm. at different areas and, and how the pigs are looking, um, especially Cape York. Cape York's different um, in certain areas as well. So. Actually, John and Paige mentioned that, didn't she? She did. Yeah. She said that she found that the pigs out central west had real big hooks for their size, and she said it had. She thought it had a lot to do with the wild dog population. Yeah. So yeah. they they were having to deal with wild dogs. So the ones with hooks kind of survived and passed on that genetics to the other ones yeah. because of the wild dogs. It's certainly very weird how you get you know, or interesting how you get the different um, variations. Yeah. Yeah, when when I grew was growing up and my dad was doing uh, commercial reshooting and pig shooting, we had um, property where you'd shoot a like you'd shoot a thirty five kilo bore, which is very small, and the hooks on it were just like my dad's got a, a set of hooks in the shed. You would think it'd come from an eighty kilo, ninety kilo, good old bore. But Dad shot this fella, and um, sorry, he didn't shoot it; he dogged it. And he did tell me that it ended up killing one of his best dogs. And this pig would have been at tops, thirty-five kilos. Mm. And he said it's just amazing the how they obviously pass the genetics along, and they know how to do it, use it because the dogs are obviously given yeah. them. There's no tails; they've got no tails. Most of them, um, the back ends are all bitten up. But the hooks are nasty and sharp. So, yeah. That um, big pig from up in the territory last year. Oh, that thinking was a back monster. Today, um, a big sow. A big sow. She had no smell. No. Yeah. Um, mm. I mean, this was a freaking massive thing. <laughs> I wouldn't um, be eating that one, though. <laughs> No, it was but I mean, huge. That's, that's based on age and size. You're talking about, you know, you're going to want yeah. to eat sucklers, or well, not sucklers, but, you know, like yeah. you say, up to a year and a half sort of old. She, she, I'm just looking at a picture of her. Um, she's, she's certainly a lot rounder than me. She's a, she's a big animal, she's a real big mammal. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, but healthy, wasn't it? Um, yeah, well, it, she it, was. Yeah. But the, the whole territory is weird in that way. Mm. You, you know, when we were chasing those buffalo that were through, you know, yeah, we were finding buffalo tracks and buffalo poo, and I went, "What are they eating here? Rocks? Well, they eat. <laughs> you know, they're licking rocks. There they eat. <laughs> nothing to eat, but they're I was everywhere." I talking to myself when we were walking through some of the trees. You know, I'm on I'm on rock that that is you could probably fry an egg on because it was so hot, and you know anything that's on the ground, um, it basically turning into ash because it was so hot and the trees that you're walking through had no leaves because it all That's dried right. up and turned to dust uh, and yet these monstrous animals that, that live in there I don't, I don't understand what they eat mm. crazy and it supports such a, a volume of them and, 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 and I forget the and things they're so they go big the yeah oh yeah 
Skyrim. They're, they're a scary animal, the old buffs. I, I, well, I love them. But they look amazing. I, I, yeah, I love looking at them. It's a terrifying animal. The, yeah. um, well, the, Ian shot two pigs that day, and the second pig he shot was like, oh, it's. But compared to a pig in most other places, you'd be, you know, punching the air. But after Pigzilla, it was just Pigzilla. like, oh, that's just a pig. <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was a good one. Um, I'll try and chuck a picture up so you can have a look. But um, yeah. do you do a bit of hunting up in the territory as well? Not for a long time. Um, no, I, the, the answer is no. Um, I'd love to get back up there. Just haven't had time. Uh, we used to yep. go over across to uh, Lemon Blight and do some fishing, and then um, yeah, go and find a, a place. Um, you know. Won't say it on here, but yeah, we used to go across to, to another spot and yeah, go chase some pigs. Um, I've never shot a buff. It's something I on on the uh, on the draw card. I, I really want to do. Um, kind of just taking up bow hunting at the same time, so it's, it's another one on the list. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I want to shoot one with a bow and I want to shoot one with a gun. So and I want to get them both mounted because um, it's one of my little yeah, list I want to take off. Take my head off to these guys that hunt with bows. I mean, obviously they're experienced uh, bow hunters that are doing it, but even wandering through with, um, you know, decent caliber rifles still puts yeah. hair up on the back of your neck, mate. Those, those things Ooh, yeah. they're, they're big animals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've guided a lot of people on the scrub bulls, um, and I know, you know, entirely different animal, but it's I don't think you're gonna get much of a bit of adrenaline rush than than those big animals and mm. uh, that's why I thought, well I'll just make a dumb choice and chuck a bow in there as well, so uh, <laughs> hopefully it pays off. Yeah, I was uh I was I was gonna ask you whether you'd ever cooked buffalo because uh, we'll get into the, the other side of what you're doing as well, but um something I really wanna try and do this time is utilize a bit more of the meat. Um, we did have some of it, though. We had some yeah. of it. I'm not not saying we were wasting it, but um, you know the the conditions that we were in made it quite difficult. To, yeah. uh, just to clean was hard. Just to keep just to keep yeah. it. We were living in you know we we're living out of ice boxes of eskies, um, yeah. you know, and you could have the best eskies in the world, but they were they were well and truly back to slush and, and water in a couple of days because it was pretty damn hot. Um, whereas this time we're we're planning it a bit different. We're going to have you know, solar and freezers and those sorts of things to come with us in camp. So we'll be able to do a bit more with it. But I'd, you know, I'd kind of love to know the best way to deal with um, big chunks of protein like that because it, you can't just treat it like beef. No, it's, it's a big backstrap. A big backstrap, yeah. It's a big backstrap. Yeah, <laughs> just, that's it. There's one backstrap for the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah Tom, I met a guy who said he went on an American trip and they shot a moose. And I've never yeah. seen the size of a moose. And they yeah, said, something like, what, 600 yeah, pounds yeah. of meat, yeah. <laughs> and they said they basically ate that moose backstrap for the whole week. He said yeah. they just left it outside. They just kept cutting it. Yeah. Um, but to, to answer your question, um, Hales, uh, it's a hard one. If you've got, if you've got a car and you can kind of get some wind air through it to cool it down, get it all away from the body, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's really hard in the territory because you you can't chuck it in a tree. It's still going to be forty five degrees. Um, yeah. yeah, I still yeah. find like even at Nundle, uh, we were in Nundle this year in summer and it was uh, thirty eight to forty degrees. Um, you know, we shot an animal. You know, by the time you've you've um, dumped the guts out of it, 
um, and we hadn't even skinned it because we didn't want the flies to get on it. But yeah. dumping the guts out of it, spreading the rib cage, hanging it up in a tree in the shade, it's amazing how quickly that meat still cools down. Now I wouldn't yeah. want to leave it overnight, but we let it we let it hang for a couple of hours while the flies were attacking us for the sun to go down. Yeah. Um, and it cooled down a lot. Uh, and, you yeah. know, some of those areas that we were camping while we were there, yes, it was still hot, it was still humid, but you know, it was noticeably cooler in the shade, you know, yeah. by the billabongs, things like that. So... Yeah. I think you can do something with it. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not sure you're going to be able to whip, it, whip a backstrap off it and make a gourmet meal out of it without getting some age into it and and yeah. uh, in the fridge. But, yeah, and I'm just curious what people do do. Yeah. I, I reckon you're on the, right, on the right track there. You know, get it out, get it away from the, the carcass, hang it up, get that airflow through it. Um, one thing I've been using a lot lately is – um, especially for the deer that I've been getting up at the Brizzy Valley is cheesecloth. Um, yeah. That just you can open it up like a, a yeah. sack. Yeah, um, it's got a le- it's got yeah. some um, elasticity to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I found that and that, that breathes really well too. Um, so I, I we went up the other week. We we shot quite a few deer because we were doing meat hunting and oh, we would have come out with a couple of hundred kilos of meat. Um, but that's what we did. We basically broke them down, hung them up, um, cheesecloth over the top, and then um, basically once they got that nice crust on them, they put them in the cold room. Um, and, yeah, I found that re- that worked really well. Um, but obviously if you've got those facilities to keep it cold, I think as long as you get that crust, that, that meat crust, which obviously the cheesecloth could help, I think you'll be okay uh, as long as you got that heat out of it as fast as you could. That's, yeah, that's my opinion anyway. So, yeah, let me. I'll just share this picture for you, um, if I can. The other thing, of course, is if you can get the bone. If you take you know a leg and if you can bone it, because the the bone itself is a real heat sink. Oh, it's a big pig. Yeah, it's a big monster, though. And that, that photo doesn't really give you an idea how big no. it was. It went, holy oh, moly. But I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a small human, and it's... No, it's and you're only halfway it. down it. Yeah, <laughs> you're, only, big... you're only in the middle of it, and there's a lot of head and there's a lot of back. Yeah. yeah. She was big a big girl. Head. Big ears. Those Cape pigs, I've seen a lot of videos with... Uh, sorry, Northern Territory pigs. Um I've seen a lot of videos, a lot of footage, and the ones we've caught, they always seem a lot longer, um, like a longer pig, a big bum. If that makes sense when you, yeah. you ever see a um, you ever see a you know, a big boar bowled up in northern ter- northern territory. You'd always see their their shoulders are down, their heads you know facing to the ground, but their bums always in the air, and they're always a lot a lot bigger in the and longer in the arse end. I found. Um, yeah, well, she was you know, a long thing. I couldn't, couldn't say she yeah. had a, a massive ass, but I can't remember. But definitely was a very long, long animal. Uh, yeah. But I mean, look at the size really, of it. Look at the ears on it. The size of it. Oh, she was huge. The size of like it's like my torso, basically. Um, yeah, those ears are massive. Um, yeah, it was, it was a girl. But um, yeah, anyway, for the listeners, you'll have to jump onto the um, YouTube channel and, and check out Pigzilla. She was she was what's, a cracker. What's the thing in your hand? Oh, uh, that was the, um, the um, magazine. Magazine. Oh, that's, a great, that's, that's a great idea. You know, well, 
We've actually done it on a couple of rifles now. So the BRX yeah. comes that way. Okay. Um, but I've I've had Byron down at um, uh, Beretta do a CTR box mag in Blaze Orange. And John has had a sour. And we'd actually, we want to try and get it, if we can work with Beretta to get that, that more um, available to everyone because it's, it is such a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, You're not going to lose it. That's it. Such yeah. a good one. I've, I've got a Kimber 308 and the, the, the um, magazine, I, I really struggle with it. And uh, I've walked away a few times and I have a habit of always looking back where I just was. And I've twice now I've t- looked back and the magazine's sitting on a, a tuft yeah. of grass. And I go, oh, you know, it's be very annoying to lose that. Oh, for, yeah. a, for a very reasonable price, you can send it down to the workshops and they'll get that coloured for you. That's um, something that they yeah. can do. And if it's a Tigo or if something they got in stock, they'll, they can just, you know, basically do you a stock one up straight off the bat. So, because I've I kept a, that's what I did. I got a second mag and I got in in blaze orange. So it was good. Yeah. One thing I've got that I want to try this year too on um, all about that is I got this cheap little. Um, digital thermometer that's on a lead. Yeah. It's actually like for a uh, fish tank. And what I want to do is I actually want to put that in meat and see what kind of temperature variances we actually get. Huh. I want to do that a bit oh, of an yeah. experiment. So, so, you know, put it in. And maybe if, I, if I've if i got the opportunity, you know, if we're, if we're and there's a couple of us together, we can work on it like, you know, Put in one with skin on, one with skin off, and things like that, and try and get some comparisons between. Actually, try and get some data around the theories about how to cool down animals and cooling times and things like that. Because I know that when you come out of the valley up the Brisbane Valley, this because I'll be up there tomorrow. If you shoot something, you know, even even into the raw. Uh, if you walk it out, because I usually got to walk out to the truck. If you walk out. And you put it in the esky, it melts the ice. Yeah. You've got to have like a cooling esky and then a storage esky type setup. Or I've got what I do is over cooling esky and I put it in the, once it's cooled off, I put it in the car fridge. Um, because if I drop it straight in the car fridge, you watch the car fridge temperature goes up to 25, 30. You know, it's yeah. just struggling with this, this heat sink. So I really wanted to see this year what, what kind of temperature variances you can get in the meat and try and That's figure a good out. Idea. What's the yeah. best way if you're backpacking? I mean, obviously, you can get the car and things like that. That's different. But if you're going to carry it out even some distances, is it better to have it in your pack? Is it better to have it tied on your outpack? I want to have to see what oh, all, yeah. all that it'd be, does. It'd be good, in, uh, good to find out, especially the inside and the outside of the pack. Yeah, it'd be a really interesting. Yeah, That's a lot it. of people so, you know, then stick it in a in a plastic bag and put it in their pack. Well, I think, I think gunk yeah, crap in their plastic pack. bag is is yeah. you know I, I, I'd assume that plastic bags you know about the hottest thing you can put it in. Yeah, but Especially I mean I've got ones. I've got I've got um you know I've got the um the synthetic game bags that breathe really well and I say so you know if you've got time skin it out. You know, you break it down into quarters, skin it out, and if you can, take the big bone out of the back leg or at least separate the back leg, even if you don't take the bone out, but fold it so the bone is exposed because I've, I've understand that bones hold a lot of heat and then put it in a game bag without skin. Is that a better way to store it than, you know, just 
having it in the bag by itself. Well, then, for the butcher and you, Lawson, um, uh, what truth is there to needing to keep the meat on the bone until it's set so that it doesn't constrict? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one, that one, because if you bone it out hot, you're going to struggle, I find. Uh, like my, my preference is obviously wait, wait a couple of weeks or, you know, freeze it and come back to it. But um, it's such a – I try to leave the bone in Perth for me. My, that's my personal opinion just because I like it to set because I've – when you're dealing with hot meat, it moves, it wiggles. Mm. Um, I've already not given you the finger. Um, I've already cut that middle finger nearly off. So um, I try to make my life as easy as possible. But, yeah, I, and I, I think you'll lose a lot of blood too when you're – Boning it out, and that will probably um, give more more chances of bacteria. So oh, yeah. it's yeah, it's it's a hard one. I personally leave the bone in, but I so, understand what Mark's saying with the whole so, so if you, out. rather than take the bone out, because I was thinking, you know, cut the socket so it folds about a, like a back a back leg. Yeah. If you cut the socket so. It exposed that socket, but the bones in so you know basically broke it at the joint. Yeah, but the bone was still in there. Do you think that would still allow for setting, but open that bone up enough so the heat could escape from it? Yeah, I yeah. If you if you got that ball joint facing, you know, you got that ball joint in. I reckon that'll be okay. You set because your rump, your rump is basically right there as you're coming so down. You- sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So if you could, so if you think if you could expose at least the ball, that would yeah. help with heat dissipation, but still keep the quality around setting the meat. Yeah, if you if you can bone it out off the hip joint, which would present that ball joint. Yeah, I reckon, and you'll get your. That means you'll get your rump, your whole yep. rump out of the. I think one, you're saving a lot of meat. You're getting rid of those hips, which would keep a lot of heat in. So if you can open that ball joint, crack that, bone it off the joint, and so you've just got your your femur, um, you know, and your marrow bone, I think you'd lose. I think you'd lose a lot of heat, and you know, it'd be easier to cool down. Um, mm. You know, if you've got that ball joint facing out. So basically, you know, you're, you're basically going to be taking it. You're taking the rump, the rump off. For you, you're cutting around the rump. Taking the mm. ball joint and leaving yeah. the round, the top side, the silver side yeah. still on the so, bone yeah. as we would normally yeah. do. Still got you're taking still got the whole the, leg. He's taking oh. the whole leg, and at the top you've got a ball <laughs> joint exposed, which was the yeah. 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 So, and if you did that, and if you put it in the pack in such a way as that ball joint wasn't at the bottom, but at the top, so the heat could escape from it, that yeah. would probably also. I'm I'm really getting to, you know, how to keep the meat cool. Yeah. Or how to cool it, I suppose is better. Now, how to keep it, I know how to keep it cool. How to get it to a, a cooling temperature as quickly as, or how to drop that temperature as quickly as possible. I mean, when you're exposing that ball joint as well, you're exposing a huge surface area of meat. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's that right. So the dissipate. top of the, so, yeah. if, but if you kind of, if you get it and you drop it in that way in the bag, you almost kind of oh, counterintuitively. Yeah, especially if you put two together as well. That's right. Which we do. So if you, Which we do, right? Yeah, that's what do. you do. Exactly. So you've got to go, yeah. I've got to try and get the stuff out. We leave the legs hanging out the top. There you go. Hmm. So that's what I mean by if I can 
Yep. Only problem with that picture there, um, I didn't butcher that. Um, that's a little that's a little nanny goat. Yeah. Um, the guy he attempted to take like we just spoke about. The only issue is he oh, what have we done there? That's so, um the only issue that he did was he couldn't get the rump off cleanly. But yeah, yeah, yeah the that's rump, a trick. Usually yeah. come down to a point. Yeah, yeah so rump would be like a little triangle here, and then obviously yeah. you got your your uh, top side, and then your silver side, and then obviously you cut the shank there. So yeah, if you if you could get to that situation, I reckon you would cool that animal down, uh, that that primal down a lot faster than yeah. leaving it in the joint where you a lot of guys just quarter them, you know, cut them straight in quarters with a little yeah. saw. I think that would keep the heat in a lot more if you did that, if you did it the way I just showed you then. Yeah, I would have thought, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I would have thought that just about every animal that comes out of the bush butchered, like that's packed out, would be butchered out that way. Most of most people I know, if not everyone that I know, that, that they're always going to be taking that those back legs off at the joint like you've pictured there. That's a yeah. pretty standard what well, I would I call th- hunter's cut. I suppose the the thing is then how you store it. If you you know that's probably the because I mean that's how I've always taken them off. I, yeah. You know I basically get the leg to go up the back and you know I kind of straddle it so there's tension on it because then it's really easy to cut. You know you get the tension on that joint. It exposes the joint super quickly. You know you know I've seen guys you know hacking at that joint trying to break it. If you got a tension, it just pops. Yeah. Um, but then you can you then you drop it in a pack like that and you got the little you know, the, the hoof sticking up like that. Yeah, it's just kind of hidden. Because my, the other way, so the heat's going to escape out. Yeah. My preference now is not to do it that way. Like I've always done it that way. But my preference now is um, at the end of the back strap, come right down to the top of the rumps. Once I've taken the back straps off, I'll just go around the spine and I'll take the whole saddle off. And that's this is what you're saying not to do. Um, if you're trying to get the heat out of it, but I find you get a much better um, cut of meat or quality of product. Forget the heat pe- heat bit, but if you take it off at the at the spine there and take the saddle out, because you get you get so much more out of your butchering. Um, mm. You know, if you don't leave all of that behind, but um, you know, processing that afterwards needs bandsaws or recipro saws and things like. Well, I guess you can do it with a hacksaw, but that's not traditionally what we're carrying around in the bush. So. Um, yeah, and I mean, it really comes down to you know what the situation you find yourself in. Mm. You're heating, That's you know, you, if if it, if it is hot, it's about I want to get some out, not lose all of it, type thing. So yeah, and if you're hunting fellow down in you know Glenrose no, or Mundal, no, then it's different, different. different I mean, you know, in winter but you leave it outside overnight, overnight, put a bag over and leave it outside, and there, you know, it's got to be yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. According to the conditions, you know, Brisbane yeah. Valley, summertime, raw time, it's pretty warm, but Nundal, Chasing Fellow. Well, Nundal, with, you can just... Nundal with Dave recently, it was, like I said, it was 40 degrees. It was summer. Yeah. It was we were there in January, December, January. We were there in January, right. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, dealing with that animal in the heat, um, my advice to him at the time was uh, drop the guts, take the head off, hock it, tops and bottoms, uh, carry the thing out whole hanging in a tree. Um, and you know that got enough cooling to it. Uh, as far as I'm aware, he's still alive, so we're all good so far. The deer, uh, mm-hmm. just tell you. Yeah, no, not the deer. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Unhappy, but wriggly. Um, yeah, I mean, in that 
that that worked, but we also knew that those those evenings were going to cool down, and, and it yeah. was a night time or well, a I mean, you know, late afternoon hunt. We always take goat meat from Pilliga, and we hunt there, you know, in the hot in the, in summer, and it's stinking hot in there. But what do we ever do is take um, rear quarters, yeah, right. go and back straps. But that's it. We we kind of go, you know, we've got to act fast here. So, choom, yeah, and we go through it, and then and you know, because they were easier then to fit in the esky, and they didn't compete with each other, and we, so we get a number of back legs and back straps, but that's what we focused on just for speed's sake because it was so hot. Mm. Mm. Um, mate, well, I'm really interested. about the pigs. Thanks, Lawson. Yeah. yeah that was, that's what started. <laughs> I'm actually really interested in the, the guiding service you got and where because, mm. you, you know, it's up north. Mm. So where where I, where do you, where for you is up north? Um. So I, I'm not allowed to – your property owners asked me to keep it sure. quiet. Um, but I can give you an estimate. So basically look at Aracoon uh, on the oh, western side. Up of the oh, up, yep. oh, okay, sure. And then, and then you, you basically come out from Blue Lagoon about 80 k's. Um, so it's it's a prime spot. It's um, I've, I've guided there before. Um, yeah, so this is our first year coming up this year. Um Super pumped for it! Can't wait. I'm very excited. Get into some, you know, good pigs, some nice barra. Um, so it's, it's everything there except, you know, obviously buffalo. But um, you know, I'm looking forward to getting back up there. And, so are you flying in there or are you driving it? No, driving. Um, yeah, okay. It's about four. from Cairns. I think we worked it out to be a twelve hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so. Seven hundred seven hundred and thirty seven K I think it was from Mariba. Do you go so, through Chiligo? No. You can't go that way. You can't go that way. Yeah, you go yeah, so I've, uh, I got an old mate who's hunted he who fished he fishes the ter- he's fished the North Queensland every year since he was a Vietnam vet and he has a saying, if you haven't been to Chiligo, you haven't been anywhere. <laughs> People talk about Chiligo, but basically you're driving, you know, 100 k's an hour, you blink and it's gone. That's right. It is. It's a, there's nothing it's like but marble rock or not, probably not marble, it's sandstone. And, uh, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, as you're driving into it, it's really weird because you start looking, there's all these tables and sandstone yeah. markings everywhere. And it's like, what's going on here? But there's a mine just outside of it. So, yep. Uh, oh, yeah. it's wild. So, yeah, yeah. We, we, we drove to Chiligo just to drive the Chiligo. <laughs> yeah, you, you can get to where we are. Um, you, you just got to keep going up to basically just off near Gambler Station and, and turn up that way, and then you go across mm. to the PDR. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's um, uh, yeah, prime spot. Yes, yeah, so I've been at, to um, Pomperol, which is just south of Aracoon. Well, yep, just yep. south, but it's yes, I've been yeah. to Pomperol and Cow and Yama. I've actually got. Yep. Um, Customers up that way, so I actually okay. there. lots yeah. of crocs as well. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a um, there's a big six meter in the in the big lagoon where um where we go fishing. So hopefully he um just wants to stay in, on his own side of the creek and we'll leave him alone. But um yeah, I, I love that area. My my old boy he um he runs hospitals. Um, he did a fair bit up there. Over the last ten years, so he's done Aracoon, um, Cow and Yama, and I believe he's going up to the Poon in the next month or so. So um, he kind of susses that 
that area out a lot. Um, and you know, we got we got to know a lot of the um, the TOs, and yep. um, it's a very interesting country because uh, and you can learn a lot off the TOs. They they go and show you the secret spots and they'll show you you know good areas and what not to eat and what's you know what the pigs are eating. And it's very interesting. Um, where the property is, we're actually both sides of it are Aboriginal properties beside us. So we do have a fair bit to do with the Aboriginals uh, on the back road there. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, we're basically my father and myself and my younger brother. We're yeah opening up. It's called Up North Adventures. Mm. Um, yeah, so we've first year, very excited. Um, yeah, yeah. So when does when does when does the first year kick off? So this this is the first year. Um, yeah, sorry, is, it, is there a is there a time period throughout the year? Is it all year? Oh, must be, no, must no, be dry must season be times sure. a year up there. Um, this year is just a short season. Short season for us, just because of the property um, owner wants a break. He's had a, he's been doing the guiding thing for quite a few years. Um, so he's just said, "Oh, can we can we have a, sh- a short short season this year?" So we'll be there basically all of October, um, which is which is prime time. Um, and then next year we'll probably look at doing a, a full season after that. So, which would basically, I don't, I don't want to get in there too early. Uh, for example, this year there's a lot of rain up there. They've had very wet. Very mm. wet. Uh, I went up there a few years back when they had two cyclones go through, and we couldn't really get around till September. So, um, with all this water around, it's best to just wait to October anyway because you. Start, things are starting to dry up. You know where the bulls are. You know where the pigs are. Um, you know, the bar are getting hungry, and it's getting hotter. So um, best to wait until October anyway because try to keep everyone happy. Yeah. Yeah. So so, what, so what's, on, sure. what's on offer? You're talking about pigs. You're talking about barra, scrubbies, yeah. I imagine. <clears throat> yeah. So scrub, scrub bulls, um, wild pigs. Uh, the property owner wants all the dingoes gone. Oh, they're not dingoes; they're more wild dogs than anything. Um, and there's fishing there, so you can catch sooty grunter in the creeks. You can, um, you know, catch big barra, uh, Saratoga, um, tarpon. So I've, i basically, I'm going to have two boats in two different locations. Um, the, the, the lagoons there are, are gigantic; they're huge, couple of k's long. Wow. Um, so. I got, I've never not caught a barra there. It's just it's the easiest fishing you'll ever do. Um, the, the country is very very thick. It's very. Um, I spoke to a chopper pilot about two weeks ago. He flew over. Um, he just said there's just pigs everywhere. Um, so mainly our our main source will be pigs and, and scrub bulls, but we do have a lot of people chasing the the, um, the Saratoga as well. So. Um, a few people have messaged me about catching them and on top water and all that. So we can oh, yeah. obviously cater for that for the top water fishermen. Um, but yeah, it's something. Yeah, we're still trying to find our feet on the, what the market is. A lot of people want scrub balls and pigs, and they don't want to go fishing. Um, we're going to we're just catering for everyone at the moment. You know, we'll see what everyone wants and um, just give them the best experience. So what is it, like three-day package, five-day package? Is it that kind of that structure? At the moment, we're, we're trying to do the seven-day package. Seven-day? Um, but we, we, have, we have a bloke that's talking for a four-day package. So 
seven seven four. Oh, again, we're trying to cater for everyone. If someone wants yep. to just drive in for two days, come on in. Let us know. Um, you know, obviously, you have to you know pay in advance. We'll have to give you details because it is a, it is tricky to find it um, mm. if you don't know where you're going. So um, from the main gate to the highway, it's about a three and a half hour drive. So we'd come yeah. out and meet you because um, you know you, you've actually it's quite hairy some spots. You've got to do a bit of four wheel driving and go through river crossings and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, we, we, if basically we've got every question at the moment, um, as in time, all that. We cater for what they want. Uh, the idea is I just kind of want the dongers full. So the dongers have got a uh, shower and toilet in them, hot and cold showers. I haven't got power there yet. Um, we work, I, I've got generators to bring power, uh, and we're working on the solar, but we haven't got actual power hooked up into the, um, the dollar system at the moment. So, is that going to be catered or do people have to bring their cater, own catering? We cater everything. So we do everything. The only thing we don't do is the alcohol. Um, so, for example, I've got uh, two weeks booked at the moment and with the deal is the guys are getting themselves there. So one guy's flying in, another guy is um, driving in and they don't have to bring anything other than their rifles. If they want to do some fishing lures or whatever, we, we can supply the fishing rules. So we can supply the guns. Um, but these guys are bringing their gear. Um, we, they'll, we'll feed them. We've, we've got a boat for them. We've got guides. Um, you know, we've, we're basically we're covering everything. So all they have to do is rock up, load their gun up, take their bullets with them, um, jump in the car. We'll go for a, a walk on a swamp, shoot a pig, and um, when they come back, we've got, a nice fridge in the back of the car with some cold drinks and a, a nice, you know, snack or a slice or something like that. So everything's covered, all the food. Um, I'm trying to get Wi-Fi there, trying to get the um, Elon Musk um, uh, set up. Yeah, Starlink. Um, Starlink, yeah. Starlink, yeah. There's a few people keep going, oh, do you have the NRL up there when it's going on? I'm just like, we're out the bush for a reason. Yeah. Get the yeah, mobile one. Yeah. You can take. Oh, it's it. funny you say that. I was up in. Uh, I was at well, we um, Carumba in two thousand and three, uh, and we drove to uh, Normanton on the Sunday afternoon and watched the grand final. So it's a it, you know they, they do like their footy up there. They do. They do. Um, the people we've got are actually both New South Welshmen. So it's um, mm. hopefully you know the Queensland win the state of origin. And, we can um, leave that alone. We won't. We won't mention that to them. So, uh, yeah. And, well, how, sorry, mate. How do people well, find that particular service? What's that one on your um? Um. So it's up north adventures. Up so, north adventures. Yeah. If you just go to my profile, which you know I leave it open, so people can scam me and all that. Um. I normally I share it around on, on the Facebook pages and stuff, but it's up north adventures. So. Yeah, sounds fantastic. Sounds like a, a proper adventure. I love the uh, you know, the fishing yeah. and hunting combined. Yeah, that's that for me. That's what we, as family, that's what we always used to do. We would go go away up to Cape York or Northern Territory. We'd always do it's always hunting and fishing. Um, so to get this opportunity on this property was I, I wasn't going to say no and. Um, it's some of, you know, like my old boys taught me pretty much most of the hunting stuff. Um, and I knew he always wanted to do it as a retirement kind of thing. So I'm kind of trying to 
you know, basically give it to him as a retirement present. So hopefully, you know, he wants to stay up there and just do his own thing. So um, he can guide people. He loves he loves loves talking to people. He loves um, cooking for people. So he always wanted something to, uh, like this to do. So. Um, I kind of, when I, the opportunity came, I, I grabbed it and we'll, we'll keep running with it. Sounds fantastic. I was uh, When we were up, as I said, we were up in uh, Corumba, there was, we were staying at there at Matilda's Rest there, at the, right at the, at the ramp, and um, there was three guys in the, in the room next to us, and they were accountants. <laughs> and they would, it was the end of barra season, so we were there last two weeks of barra season on the, on the West Coast. Um, and they was they had a, a that it wasn't actually a four wheel drive, it was just a four door U. And they would do this kind of accountant run, visit all these guys, visit people up there, you know, barra fishermen, the whole lot. And but yeah. all all under the guise of doing accountancy, all it was was like a four month fishing trip for them. Fishing trip, yeah, you because know, they'd go somewhere <laughs> and some guy would go, Yeah, you can, you know. Like, a barrel bloke go, yeah, I'll take you out here or I'll do this or I'll do that, do this. And, you know, that's all they're doing. They just love their fishing. They figured out a way to wire it together and they did people's books, you know. And we yeah. were there and the guys were turning up each afternoon with, you know, shoe boxes full of receipts and stuff like that. <laughs> and they they got into some amazing places, hey, because, you know, some guy would go, oh, there's a river. It's just, you know, it's, it's desilted. I'll get you in there. And they go in there and it's just basically they walk across the step on the barrel. Yeah. It's yeah. It's the best place to me. It's the best place in the world. I, that Northern Territory are very hard to beat. Mm. Um, but talk, you're talking about people, you know, like that clientele and stuff. There's some interesting, interesting people. Like I've got one guy coming up who who's a previous client up when I was up there. Like he basically kept in contact with me, and I let him know that we it's you know started up this, and straight away he rang me and said, "Yeah, book me in." Um, just it's really interesting. Like he is in New South Wales. He's in Sydney. It's all he's always in Sydney. He's in the city, the hustle and bustle. Um, he actually saved pretty much saved Telstra back in the the COVID hit. Um, he coded all their stuff so that people could work from home, and um, he got offered a ridiculous amount of money. So he's pretty much set now for for life. And um, this is all he he wants to do. Is he goes? I just want to come up. I want to fish, and I just want to turn my phone off. I want to go shoot a pig. Just, yeah, I know I can't shoot, but I just want to be here and have a good time. So, um, yeah, it's it's. I like listening to the clients and seeing what their their stories about. So, and it's still pretty. It's pleasant weather up there in October. I mean, it's hot, but it's pleasant. You know, it's a, it's a. Well, certainly, I remember when we were up there. It was it, actually it was a, a good breeze, it was, it was blowing as well. But I mean, that we're on the coast, that's different. But it was so it wasn't like you, were, you know, swaltering. Yeah, I, I was up there a few years ago, and like I go up pretty much every year, and it wasn't. I think it's been hotter in Brisbane the last couple of weeks than it was up there, and I, yeah. I, I've I've been thinking it's been stinking here lately. Um, yeah, and I, I've. I've lived in North Queensland probably, you know, since I was 10. And then we went out to central Queensland and the heat's totally different. I, I think what Brisbane's been copying at the moment, it's been, been worse than central Queensland and North Queensland. Yeah, I've been in Brisbane, but I've been unlucky enough to have to be down there a couple of times in the last heat waves. And 
I reckon, Mark, when I was uh, dropped by your place the other day, yeah. uh, I, I think it was more pleasant hunting in the Territory than it was. It was 40 degree, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was, a, it was, I mean, it was a little bit of humidity there, but nothing like it's been down here recently. It's mm. nuts. Good, so I, I went, Tim and I actually went on a guided hunt um, uh, out Hewenden Way. Oh yeah, yeah, it, and it's your expensive for, farm stay. Yeah, but the, the world's greatest farm stay we call <laughs> it because seven days didn't see a pig. What? No, the virus shot. Like showing up to the barrel hole that you can't not shot shot shot, <laughs> shot some you know shot some roos for bait and shot wild dogs, but did not. We were on this you know hot barrels pig shooting adventure, fully catered, fully guided. 12 hours a day, uh, 12 to 14 hours a day, bouncing around the back of a Land Rover ute, it's eating dust. <laughs> single pig. <laughs> Didn't see a single. Saw a pig's going in. Oh, Saw a pig's man. literally, I tell you, on the way up, we went up through Taroon and we went past all that, that swamp land there at Taroon and you know, wetlands and you could see the pigs from the road. Was going, There's pigs everywhere. Spender drive along dead pig on the road. Oh, it's so exciting. Got the property, drove in through the front gate, and first through the creek crossing. There's pigs running on the side of the creek, you know. It's just pigs everywhere. Got in there, no pigs. Yeah. Driving out, saw pigs. There's pigs on the way here. The joys, the joys of hunting. The world's greatest fun yeah. today. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> sure you'll figure out all of these fun things when you've got people coming up. Uh, paying paying a dollar or two to come up and hunt, and like it'll be stressful times for you until you get the hang of it. Uh, making sure that all the customers are happy and they, they leave with a smile and, and a rebook. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good on you. Uh, I've, I've done it before and it was stressful at times, but uh, I've yeah, this this block's pretty big. It's over eight hundred thousand acres, so um, we can we can send the search party out and. I'm pretty sure we can we can find yeah, read one. someone in the back, no one know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, if, if worst comes to worst, you know we um, we do have a couple of dogs there that um, yeah that'll sort most problems out. Um, so you know, ideally, it's it's just going to be rifle and um, and bows. But if worst comes to you know push comes to shove, the dog will find it for us, and yeah. we can um, they can get a couple of couple of euro mounts for their uh, trip home. But yeah, I, I've never had that issue yet. So yeah. it's always been plenty, of, plenty around, and normally they're walking on the road for you in the morning. So it's yeah. easy. Well, we, had, well, we had we hunted with three dogs the whole seven days. Yeah, beautiful dogs too. They're English pointers, so beautiful dog. Yeah. There's a there's a photo of me sitting in the back of the truck with them. I, I like the dog far more than I like the guide. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the dogs are wonderful. Oh, great animals. Yeah, I wanted to take one of those. That was his fan, yeah. Three dogs, guide the whole lot, not a pig. Oh. <laughs> there's, yeah. And there's, I wasn't the only one, too. There's a couple of guys around, uh, you know, in, in the circle who, who when, I, when I said that, they go, you mean such and such. So they go, yeah, that's the one. So, yeah, <laughs> got us a few yeah. of us. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you are you, doing the, are you doing the cooking and catering for them? Yeah. Um, so is this where your, my, your, your uh, culinary skills come into play? <laughs> well, actually, I've been kicked out of the kitchen. Um, believe it oh. or not, I'm not, I'm not the best cook in my family. Um, so my, 
obviously I got most of my cooking skills from my, my old boy. Um, he wants to, to take the, the chefing skills, but we've actually de- demoted him as well. And my, my sister-in-law is an Italian and, um, she can cook better than all of us. So, um, we, she's volunteered to stay back at camp, um, make camp, you know, nice and comfortable, have the fire going and, uh, cold drinks and, and dinner ready. Um, so basically people walk back in and it's all comfortable, food's ready, drinks are they're ready, um, cabana and chips and dipper are ready to go. So that's that's the plan. Um, she'll be doing that while, while we're out there hunting and, and fishing. And this is your first year and it starts in October. Yeah. Well, I've got an apprenticeship spot available at Hunt Camp for her to come and put all of that to practice if she's in a loose end. <laughs> uh, just hit her up for us. Um, that'd be quite handy. Be, be great advertising for your guide service, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I am the guy from uh, um, Wild Game on the Open Flame and I've been booted out of the kitchen. That's <laughs> probably not the best plug I've heard so far, but yeah. you've got some talent in the family. Uh, uh, we just like our food. If you, if you can see uh I try and have just headshots of myself. If I actually stand up, I'm quite obese and um, not, not the fittest-looking guy. So um, I like my food. Um, the old boy likes his food. Um, yeah, but we can still get out there and, and move when we need to. Um, we're all quite actually quite sporty. Um, so, yeah, food and sport obviously didn't mix. We got too old and now we get fat. So one thing stops and the other one doesn't. I know that feeling, mate. <laughs> I guess then, if your sister-in-law is doing the uh, the cooking, you're probably doing the butchering, are you? Because that's something you, you 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 said you did ten years as a butcher, and you've yeah. got some um, butchery courses coming up. Yeah, so that's with Wild Game uh, on Open Flame. Um, so me and my my well, we'd, we'd say business partner, um, brother-in-law, where um, he's a, a fantastic bow hunter, um, videographer. We're teamed up together and we're doing some um, butchering, basic beginner's butchering course. So if you're a hunter that is just getting, a, you know, just starting to get out there and you don't know, know what to do and, uh, you know, don't know how to sight your rifle in, sight your bow in. So we're going to basically show you how to butcher a whole animal. I'm going to show you how to make sausages, uh, jerky, cabana, excuse me, uh, all the small goods basically. So, yeah ham, bacon, um, and then also we're going to do, um, you know, go through caping. So I'm going to, we're going to have a, the, the first one, we've got a pig booked in. Um, I'm about to actually announce uh, dates on a second course because the first course is actually just booked out. Um, so we're about to, I'm looking for a location in Brisbane. I think we've got it. We'll basically um, do a second course probably in a couple of months, to be honest. We're Down in Brisbane, looking. or I know you were looking around up Toowoomba Way and, and, and that sort yeah. of area. Yeah. yeah, so I'm actually at your mate's place at Stanthorpe. At Els. Um, at Els, yeah. Good so, choice. It's a ripper yeah. spot. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you. <laughs> no, mate, it's um, a cracking spot. I was going to suggest offline if it didn't come up. You need to have a chat yeah. to Al. He's got a fantastic location there. Yeah, so Al, Al reached out to me. We've got that one. So the July 13th, 14th basically is booked out. I've got one spot left, but I think I'm still waiting for that one person. Um, but it, it's for me, it's off the books. Um, it's done. 
So Al was pretty happy with that. Um, That's unreal. Good job. Yeah, I, honestly, I didn't think uh, it would take off like it has. I'm I'm really happy with it. Um, you know, we've we've had to get insurance, we've had to get everything above board, uh, and that's not easy. Um, it's it's obviously you've got to tell them what you're doing, and you know every man wants to bring their gun, every man wants to bring their bow, and it's just like just just calm down. It's a course. You're learning to how to do stuff that you don't know how to do. So. Yeah, I told talk them through it. We're going to show you how to cape a pig. Obviously, you can. I'll show you that on a deer as well. You know, deer is obviously a little bit different with caping, um, but I'll show you how to do a pig, and I'll explain a deer as well. Um, and then, you know, we'll do the whole butchering. Um, then Jesse's going to talk people through bows. Uh, I'll talk about rifles, just how sighting in, just the basics. We're not we're not getting into. Um, you know, what you boys talk about on here when you guys start talking your gun talk, I, I kind of have to get out of the dictionary half the time. I'm the same as so, you, buddy. It's all right. I just ask the questions. <laughs> I know I'm the one asking questions because I'm, I'm confused. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. So the course, the course has done well. I'm very happy. I'm very excited for it. Uh, we'll probably have a second course um, coming out pretty soon, I think. That's awesome. It is, yeah, we, uh, and I mean, it's it's one of the, you know, obviously it's something that we're really passionate about too. Is about you know, educating people and getting them to the point where they can have a go. So, and that's you know that idea that obviously the you know the natural progression. You get yourself started. You get out. You get some success. What do you do with it? You turn it into food. You know, and and it's it's a. I think you know it. it it's the best way, and you know, you were kind of alluding to it before when people say, "Well, what do you do with it, or do you eat it?" And I think that's that's if there's a social license for hunting, it's that. Yeah. yeah. The social license is, I'm turning this into food. Yeah. And I'm turning into a, 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 a to be honest, I'm turning it into a quality food that you might have a hard time buying. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think that that, that the, the power in that, or as they say, the social license and that shouldn't yeah. be understated. And we should that that's where the conversations I think naturally progress to food, yeah. and you know, and and caping. I think, and, and you know, I know trophy mounting and stuff like that's got that weird connotation to it. But I think the explanation yeah. that the the trophy and the food is the same animal. It's just a different processing component of what that's, it is, you know. That's actually our um, our slogan. Um, mm. Quickly double check before oh, I say it. Um, oh, okay. But that's actually go. our slogan. Our meat is our trophy. So, yeah. um, you know, for, like for example, two weeks ago we we went out and we did a meat hunt. Um, Jesse and I, we're not we're not going to lie. We've financially we've been struggling. I, I work. I have my own business. I work. Extremely hard. Um, you know, that's why I did Up North Adventures to get extra money. You know, I'm just trying to set myself up. And um, we, we as a family, at the moment, we're basically all we do is eat deer meat. Um, I'll chuck in a bit of pork sausage every now and then. Um, but it's, it's either chicken for the kids or it's minced tacos from deer that we've shot um, over the last 12 months to, you know, 18 months, we just, it's, yeah, we all we eat at this house now is that. And the same with Jesse, who, who is doing the course with me. Um, 
because it's it's just one of those things that one we can't keep. Yeah, I don't think I priced a rump up at, at the butcher shop the other day. It was over a hundred dollars. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah, 40, bucks, 40 bucks a kilo now yeah. from the butcher. Yeah. No years ago, and it was a few years ago, I was down at the my local, down there having a coffee, and they had a sign. There's a there's a specialty butcher there, and um, used to be run by this German guy. He's incredibly unpleasant man he was. <laughs> he sold it on. It's much better now. But um, he was selling venison, and I saw the sign. And I, it, it, back then, and this is. Possibly pre-COVID, I think. So I said, "What, seventy-nine bucks a kilo for venison?" And I looked oh. and I went, oh, "Okay, sure. There you go. Right, yeah. You go to the Brisbane Valley, and I'm, um, you know, you know. yeah. This, no, just still being able to do it, Lawson, is uh, is great, and passing it on is really important. I, I had a scenario here not long ago where a neighbour rang me up and said, "I've got a, I've got a cow. It's uh, it's not old. Um, it's got dodgy legs. Um, it's too big to go on the truck." Um, can you help me take care of it? Now, I live in a neighbourhood that's that's got its fair share of big burly blokes, right? Uh, but not one of them knows how to process an animal. And, yeah. you know, that, that skill has disappeared. I, I'm not saying that I'm the best uh, butcher in the world when it comes to processing a, a giant bovine, but, um, you know, it all ended up in my freezer and mates' freezers and other people's freezers. Um, it's not hard to make mince. It doesn't need to look pretty. You can get some good cuts along the way as well, but uh, it's you know you you, you say you you know um, you know financially it's tough. It is for people, um, but you're eating the good food. Yeah, yeah. that's it. You yeah, know, you're, eating it. The, you're you're eating the the, the best Free range organic. I think that's a, and, that's and a really like, yeah. that's such a weird um, point that needs to be you know when you were once upon a time when you didn't have money you ate. The worst cuts, and the, you, know, yeah. you know, I know, I know, pork bellies like the the rigor now. But once upon a time, if you told people you have pork belly, they'd you know put five bucks in your pocket and say, <laughs> "Hope <laughs> things get better for you soon," you know. But so you know what you're eating, you know, free range, free range venison. Yeah. Jesus, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't do that with it with you know with a credit card or a checkbook. You'd be. <laughs> Yeah. You'd, be, you'd have a huge bill, but sure enough, there it is, and and, and it's the best. It's the best food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, the kind of the, the, if you will, the cheap living now is actually eating the best stuff. Yeah, yeah. Really- for me, as I was, was going to say, for me, it's not just that it's good quality meat. It's that you've seen the process, yeah, that, start to finish. All that you're the only one who's handled that meat, and now you're putting it on, you know, and then you cook it and you put it on your family's plate. All that stuff about, you know, what supposedly makes something really good, you know, country kill, fresh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing all that. I'm doing all that. And, and then I'm, and, and, but it doesn't go anywhere. It's, it's here with us. It's amazing. I I have, I have four, I call them clients now, I guess. I have four clients booked in for the first course. They are elderly couples from, um, one, believe it or not, one's from Victoria, Melbourne. They're driving down. Um, and the other one's from central New South Wales. They've bought a property. Um, they're doing self-sufficient living. And they said, we've just got some pigs. One lady said, we've got some goats. Um, we just want to learn how to cut it up. And I said, yep. well, this is this is the perfect course for you. Oh, unreal. Um, yeah. You know, I can show you one side of the pig 
is going to be ham and bacon. And they said, oh, we'd love that. I said, do you want to learn the, the nitrate-free bacon or the, just the preservative-free? And she said, preservative-free. I said, well, I can show you that. That's super easy. I've got a video of that already, you know, where it's just, just salt and sugar. Um, and like I, I make my bacon like that anyway because I've got kids and I've got allergies and stuff. Um, so these people are doing it for their their lifestyle, their, mm. their lit life. You know, these people have got pigs and they just want to cut them up and, and eat them. Yeah, so is nitrate-free different from preservative-free? From my understanding, from nitrate is a preservative, obviously. Yeah. Um, so when I say that, you can do the nitrate-free, preservative-free, which is basically just salt and sugar. Yep. And then you've got your preservative nitrate, which the nitrate gives it that shine. When you cut up, a, can you see the bacon shining? Excuse yep. me. That's that's the um, the nitrate, and that's a preservative that makes it, um, you know, keep that sparkly-looking colour all the time. Mm. So, um, and it's not good for you. It is. It's no, not. It's the nasty. We we we've been for love a little over a year now. We've completely changed the way we look at food here at our place. And so that that becoming more and more interested in things like nitrate-free bacon and things like that. I normally just just buy a pork belly if I don't have any pork. Um, I I weigh the the piece of meat and then I work out, okay, I'm going to go. Normally I'm looking at a kilo of meat. It's going to be – half a kilo of salt and 250 grams of sugar. And I put that in a bag and I cry back it and then I basically just keep turning it over each day. And then at the end of the seven days, I wash it off, I smoke it, and that's that's bacon. Um, And I've never had issues with it. I I like it personally a little bit sweeter, so I do chuck some maple syrup in there there as well. I like English bacon that you, you it's salt. It's just, I love that. It's just, <laughs> that really, uh, no, I like that, mate. It's that Dutch heritage. I like savoury, you know, English bacon so salty. Uh, in your case, I like mine a bit sweeter. Yeah. No, I like that maple, that maple taste. Too. Yeah. That's the beauty of doing your own stuff. You can make yeah, it the way you like it. It's fantastic. So, for the yeah. non-qualified, and colorblind person in the room on the call. Um, when I'm cooking meats, I've learned to cook really, really good quality meals with thermometers. Ooh. Right? Um, yeah. It's the only way I can do it. I can't. I can't test for color. I can't tell yeah. you if it's raw or, or or rare or medium or whatever. Uh, so I started to do a lot of work with sous vide, and then. You know, barbecuing with thermometers and things like that, and it's worked out really well for me. How, how do you how do you do that with smoking? Because there's cold smoke, there's warm smoke, there's you know you're, you're curing more than cooking. How how does how does the the average colourblind guy tell when something is smoked properly? Um, well, you if it's a if it's cold smoke, you you obviously you need to go back and cook it in you know the next the next step. Yeah. Um, I always, if I'm smoking pork, I always have a thermometer in it. Oh, you do. Um, it's still I a temperature-based smoking. Yeah, it is. But I also, it's more how I like the color of it. For me, it's that golden brown. 
um, you know, if I'm making a horn and bacon, I always look for that, that nice colour. Um, but because, one, it might be wild pork or pork in general, I always put temperature gauge in just to be safe from the, um, you know, but I always like that golden colour. That's, to me, I know, all right, it's crispy. It tastes, you know, I'll cut a layer off and go, okay, that looks good. But temperature gauge, uh, always with pork for me because it's just a bit scary. I don't want to, don't want to get sick. Yeah, mm. fair call. Yeah, I got, I got one, some, when we, We've been using the Weber more and more and just have one of the – it's just one of the cheapy ones with the, you know, the probe-style ones. Yeah. A great thing to have. you just going, yep, that's yeah. – yeah, it's – often it's way hotter than it, you know, the, you know, it says it should be at this heat. It's often way hotter, so it's actually on the safe side, but it's – they're very, very handy to have. I know you can get them with your phone and the whole lot and you can – Bluetooth you know, and all that now, yeah. Bluetooth yeah, and all that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I want to go out and have a look at it, you know. Yeah, I got the Weber one from the, the Weber brand. Yeah. And that hooks up to your phone. And yeah. Um, especially with the probe itself wireless. Uh, so that hooks up to a little, so it's basically like a little string with a bit of a box to it. So the battery hooks up. So the box stays outside. Yeah. The thermometer goes inside. So. Yeah. yeah. It's just I, a little like sender it. unit. Yeah. Yeah, is that yeah. that um that worked brilliant, brilliantly for me? Um, put it on the outside. Yeah, I used I used one of those, but the screen was a bit dicky, so I ended up getting one of those meter thermometers. It's a wireless thermometer uh, that you plug in, and you can get three yeah. or four of the probes for one. Yeah, seen those. You can yeah. measure it from multiple parts of the meat, um, which I yeah. liked, but um, they're not they're not that robust. Uh, I ended up pulling the thermometer out. I pulled the sleeve of the thermometer out, left all the electronics in the in the meat, and that was the end of it. So it was done. I, I went scrambling for the manual thermometer to plug in the one mark yeah. you were talking about. So yeah, I just I got think, one a little, I think ink bird or something like that, and it just flicks out and it gives you a very it gives you a relatively accurate read, and it's easy yeah. to use and stick it on yeah. the fridge. So because I generally with the Weber, it's you know it's set forget. So yeah. Most most of my cooking, especially my small goods, it's all smoking, and and I go off look. If I like the look of it, I will um, probably chuck a thermometer in halfway through. But I don't want to keep opening it and disturbing that smoke and all that. So, um, wow. if it's a, a yeah wireless, it's right. So I have a wireless one now. I shove it in the start, walk away, and. Um, you know, pork obviously is a different story, but cabana, I, lo- I love playing with cabana in the smoker because it's awesome. Mm. You, once you get that nice snap, you know you're, um, oh, you're ready yeah. to go. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sounds delicious. Oh, well, we're talking about delicious. Um, other than the small goods things, um, let's go back to deer because you eat a lot of deer meat. Um, what, what, uh, let's go with a favorite. What's a family favorite off, uh, off, uh, off a deer? And um, the second one is, um, what's your favourite, like, um, I guess, cheap cut, a cut that most people wouldn't consider uh, something you do with one of those? Because I'm getting right into really utilising the little bits and pieces and have recently started doing lots of rolled rib flap roasts. Like Ooh, that sounds rib. nice. Oh, mate, it's just absolutely sensational. So that's mine. It's a it, it, mm. Take the rib flap off when you do it. Mm. Um you know, throw, throw your herbs, um, cranberries, 
uh, blue cheese, stuff like that, and it roll it up and then braise it. it they just come mm. out so good. And normally, that's the stuff that gets left in the bush because it's only mm. wafer thin, but it's yeah. so bloody nice. I, I had a lot of Italians do that um, with with goat and lamb. Um, lamb, I do it definitely. Yeah, yeah they, they they pull it off, they roll it up, they they braise it um, yeah. with some slow cook it, braise it and slow yeah. cook it. Yeah, and then they chuck uh, on the barbecue at the end and either slice it. Yeah, just, just give you it the gotta color. try it. You've got to try it with venison. It's so good. Anyway, that's what yeah, I do. Okay. I ask you the question. I'm no, I'm, I'm going to do that. Now. That's that's a great idea. Uh, yeah, do it. I'm going to give that a whirl. Your uh, guests will love it. This is one of them. I, I don't know if you can see it too well. Mince. Um, Deep fried. No. Um, it's just uh, cornflakes, crumb, crumb snitzel cornflakes. Um, very easy, kids oh, love it. Yeah. It's such a simple, um, like, you know, on Saturday, we came back from the beach. What are we going to do? Um, nothing ready. I had a bit of backstrap sitting there. Um, I butterflied it, like, cut it real small. Obviously, it's already quite small. Uh, banged it out, egg wash, and um, crushed up cornflakes. And even my partner, who's pretty fussy, she ate it and said that was pretty nice. Um, but... I love making jerky. Uh, jerky is probably my my favourite thing to to um to make because it just makes the house smell yeah. unbelievable. And jerky um, over biltong. Here we go. This is gonna come be on. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just I'm going to just say jerky uh, the old boy style because I haven't had enough biltong, and I went to school with some South Africans and. I'd probably get flogged if I said um, biltong because I just don't know enough about it. Like, I'll, I'll play with it. I've done a bit, but I just – I'm happy with my jer- the way I make the jerky. No, so, I make I make more jerky than biltong just because being in Brisbane, the humidity, and I don't really like mine dried with temperature. I like it to be air-dried. I find it gets a bit tough if you do it with a you – know, a lot of people use a light bulb. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I grew up on biltong, so. Yeah. I, I was showing how to do it a long time ago. Um, I haven't really made it at home, especially where I'm living now. I just haven't made it um, because I've got a, a dehydrator and it's not – I just don't – I want a proper South African to show me how to do it um, the right way, if that makes sense. Um, well, a proper South African to show us how to do it and this comes <laughs> out pretty damn nice. Um, temperatures and the warm. Shoots up the ass as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a true South African. Uh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to say his name, but yeah, uh, first shots to slow him down. Um, <laughs> but he's anchor, good. That's all it is. It's the anchor. It's like throwing out the, the anchor. <laughs> throwing out the anchor. I, I hit him in the nuts. I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> It would have been a pretty good shot with a three away at that distance. Yeah. I meant it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm keen. When you come down, when's the course down in Stanthorpe? So that's July 2014. Um, I'm probably going to have. I'm going to go check a property out this weekend, and that'll probably be the new Brisbane spot. Um, it's about 45 minutes outside Brisbane. So, yep. Stanthorpe's yeah, 13th, 14th July. That's. I'm just going to say it, it'll be booked out by the time this comes um, yep. out. We've got a website on the. It's it's finished. We're just going to. Wait till this last ticket sells, then um, we'll probably let the website go. Same with up north, we're still making a website with that. Um, 
We're also going to do a beginner's bow hunters course. Um, I, I'm not the one teaching that. That's Jesse, my um, businessman. He's, he's a, a very good bow hunter. He's been doing it for uh, probably nearly 20 years. Um, he's, he's not a social media person, and um, a lot of people are probably getting a bit of a shock when they come there and they realize that I'm just a guy cooking the sausages. Um, so yeah, I'll probably do the intro and then get off the camera. I get it, get out of the way because Jesse will be talking about basic, um, yeah, how to set up your bow, how to tune it. Um, it's amazing what he knows. I just take him up bow hunting and, um, I practice when I get a bit of, I get something in my head. I, I practice and I practice and I practice. And, um, I've been doing it, what, eight months now and I'm, I wouldn't even say I'm, a good shot and um he he just picks up a bow and he just nails every shot he just makes it look so professional um so yeah we're excited to yeah the bow hunting course will be coming as well um cool. and then hopefully we're going to work up and down the coast uh that's the plan i've got a couple of mates in new south wales looking for locations to do courses um and i'm going to start working with scotty fry uh yep. He's a he's a butcher. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Scotty. Yeah, so Scotty and I. Yeah, and I'm, we're, and I'll, I'll keep going. Sorry, I'll, I'll shut up in a minute. Um, no, you're right. We're working. Yeah. We're working on podcast, online mate. Course. Please talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're work, we're working on an online course as well. So um, that'll go into a huge amount of detail. It's going to take quite a while for us to, to finish that. Um, but Scotty, I'm working with Scotty Fry on that as well with the butchering style of things. Um, I have experience. Scotty's got a lot more. So um, he's Scotty he does good. on farm. You wait he's amazing. You, see, you wait till you see Al pull an animal apart in 30 seconds. Oh, God, don't say that to me. Now I'm going to feel under pressure. Dude, Al, is, <laughs> Al is, is a legend, this guy. He's doing it all his life. Yeah, you'll have a great time there. You'll be able to trade oh, secrets. Oh, I'll be yeah. embarrassed. I'll, I'll, be, I'll probably ask Elder to show, show me how to do ah, it. No. Uh, yeah, so online course is in progress as well. Um, and we're going to do a little bit things differently on that. Obviously, we'll do basics for everyone. But Jesse's a mechanic as well. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about mechanics. Because um, every, every – well, not every hunter, but most hunters have a four-wheel drive. Um, but most hunters can't change tyres or can't put yeah. a belt on or just the, just the things that you wouldn't think of. So we're going to go through the whole lot of something happens, this is the situation. Sounds yeah, really interesting, mate. Yeah, it does. So, you're, you're bang on about that. Most people will drive yeah. a vehicle into a park, but they won't know how to plug a tyre. Most of them probably plug know how tire. to change it. But you know how many people don't even know where the points are under their car to put the jack? These days, yeah. you've got to get the manual yeah. out to figure that one out because every car's different. You get it wrong, you break stuff. Um, different yeah. types of jacks, like you say, putting belts on. Bush mechanics yeah. is something that's, you know, uh, it's yeah. disappeared. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's it's I, I carry a Zolio and I've got an RMA insurance or, or uh, RACQ Rescue. So as long as I can get yeah. them, they'll come change it for me, right? I know, but where, you know, sometimes like, you know, where we're going in Cape York, yeah. The, uh, the tow truck's not coming. So, um, and we've 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 had experiences. We've gone up to um, Wollongong Station when I was quite young. Um, basically, it took us. We were in Wollongong. We we're going to the Calvert River, and we um, in Dad's old Land Cruiser putting along. I was probably 
12 at the time. And we went through this freshwater bit, come up the other end, and Dad's gearbox decided to um, stop working. And um, basically, if Dad didn't know bush mechanics, um, like we still got towed out, but it's a huge, huge effort, huge drive, um, 12 hours to do 100, 100 kilometres. Um, you know, situation, if, if you didn't know what you were doing, you would be you screwed. You're, you're waiting for the next person to come by and out there. Waiting a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 So um, we, got, we, hit, we got lucky there and we managed to have another vehicle and go back to – back to the homestead and sort ourselves out. Um, and we end up getting parts, but we still end up getting dragged back all the way to Monobar. So, yeah. um, you know, having that bush mechanics behind you um, is, is a, a must in my opinion these days. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still, I mean, any kind of travel, is, is you're likely to need something or other, and that's it. You know, I mean, we're in a, as I said, a post of, Photo not so long ago, we were in the Pilgrim. I think it was two seventeen in January, and it was stinking hot, like forty plus degree days and storms in the afternoon. Tim and Tim and I down in Pilgrim West, and we spiked a tire, and we went to just jack it up, and the ground was too soft for a jack, so basically could only get it so far up. And I dug out with the recovery board to get to get the new wheel in and out. And just as I was doing that. This goat comes out and has a look at us. So I go, go shoot that goat, Tim. <laughs> well, I changed his diet. Literally did. Got it. Got a photo of a big woolly thing too. He's got it. And then we said, oh, we should probably get this fixed in, um, you know, Narrabri. And, went, oh, you know, and didn't because we're all Queenslanders. So we're still, no one's changed our watch or anything like that. So we're all, went, oh, shit, it's an extra hour. So we, we, and it's about a three-hour run. So we belted in Narrabri and we got to a place that could, Change the tyre, and it was the well, it was twenty fifth, so it was the day before Australia Day, and they were, and they were all keen to get out. So we we managed to get sorted out. But it, uh, you know, I've had other, I've had mates who've, um, you know, had get bogged in the Pilgrim. It's been a twenty four hour deal to get them out. Oh. You know, walk, walking thirty something k's, getting an Uber. You got an Uber. <laughs> walk so far, yeah. you got an Uber. I heard that on, yeah. on one of the podcasts. I was yeah. like, yeah. Oh, that, that's, is that, that's 100% yeah, real. So basically they had to walk all the way out to the highway. <laughs> they get out to the highway. When you get – so basically the Pilliger, the forest, Pilliger East is a is, – it's called Pilliger East, but it's actually – there's an east and west part of it, and it's split by the newer highway. Yeah. So – Kind of in a weird way, where you hunt, which is Pilliger East, you're actually in the western part of it. There's there's a whole eastern part that's huge as well. So it's a massive yeah. block of dirt. And they're in – so if you ever get in trouble, you walk to the highway because you'll get signal. Yeah. So that's it. So, you, you know, the closer you get to the highway, the, the more likely you are to pick up signal because once you – so that's it. They had this massive walk to the highway. And they, you know, walked and walked and walked and walked and walked and walked. And it's and when you're driving those roads, you realise how long it is in there. So they walked and walked. They got signal, and there was another vehicle back at camp because we always go in with multiple vehicles for this very reason. Yeah. So they got to the highway and they rung an Uber driver to come pick them up. And the camp that we stay on, or they were staying on, is a place called Swage's Ball, which is 
technically on the side of the Pilliger Forest Way, which is a gazetted road. It's a track, it's a dirt track, but it's a gazetted road. So the Uber driver said, so the Uber driver drove in the camp. And they got that's out awesome. and went, got it's out. Like an, it's like an hour from yeah, that's an hour. to yeah, Swages Ball. That's yeah. it because it's about 30-something k's in the Swages Ball. Yeah. And, like, when you drive in, you know, your signal drops within minutes and so they drove all the way in and you do see two-wheel drive cars on there because the road actually is a huge shortcut for people who live on the western side and those little tiny places on there, you know, it's, it saves them literally hundreds of k's unless they unless they loop right around. Yeah. So you drove in, dropped them off, so basically just clunk, clunked out, and then the next morning got another car and went, 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 went and got them out. But strangely enough, years ago, the way we met one of the guys involved, Simon, was we were in Severn and we were in a borrowed Land Cruiser and we bogged that. And I walked back to camp, which is about 5Ks, and I walked back to camp. And on the way back to camp, we saw Simon, who we met earlier that day. He was hunting the same forest. And I said, can you give us a hand getting out? And he said, sure. So we drove around and then the Land Cruiser bogged his vehicle. <laughs> so they were both, both vehicles were bogged. So... I walked back to camp again. I said, oh, and they basically doshed in the back of the cars. So I walked back to camp again and I managed to reach another guy who was hunting in the area that we knew, Adrian, and he came the next day and pulled them both out. Oh, that's so, I said, so, yeah, you know, you don't have to be at Cape York for it to go wrong. No. No, no, definitely not. Definitely yeah, not. and no. we're and, uh, and we were another time we got bogged in Severn again, and Tim had just had this brand new winch fitted to his Hilux with the, <laughs> with the, the the remote control one, not that the wireless remote control. It's got bogs, okay. Wound, got the winch out, yeah. you know, looked like <laughs> oh, an AB, you know, uh, ARB ad, or the the tree protector and the, and the the cushioning bag on the line and, you know, and all that and hand signals. Yep. And he's, and I was, remember, I was watching him. I actually got a video of it, but I can't find it. I wish I could find it. So I'm looking at him through the, I'm outside looking through the drive, him in the driver's side. And he kind of goes like that, like he's going to give it contact and goes contact, hits the button, and then the smoke just goes <laughs> whoop out from underneath oh. the car as the winch burns out. <laughs> oh, you'd cry. It was, what happened? And so, unfortunately, what has happened was we had a car that was tied by a winch to a tree that we could not undo. The tree. So, well, what actually, in in the end, what it it worked in our favour. So we went back to basics and just built a pigsty. You know, like like you know, the Larrays houses was pigsty because we just had a jack, and luckily had a had a saw there, so. We jack up as far as we could, build a pig's thigh, cut it, lower it down, and, and kind of slowly raised it because it was a fairly good bulk. We, so we had to raise it up. And as it raised up, that tension in the winch slowly pulled it forward. So it kind of started going forward. And then, and then we were able, and then 
the other guys walk back to camp. Severn's not that big, luckily, so it wasn't a big, long walk. We were back to camp and drove all the way around because they were scared to come in the same way we were. <laughs> drove all the way around and they and did a snatch and got them, it got it out. But, yeah, state forest can be fun. Mm. Joyous. Well, on your, um, on your trek south, assume it's south, wherever you're coming from, down to Stanthorpe, Chuck in a nice big bag of uh, Lawson white jerky and I'll uh, trade it for farm goods when you get here. Sounds good. I can do that. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah. I've, had a few, I've had a few people ask me about that. So. Yeah, I've yeah, got to no, try this that's jerky easy. that's better than Biltong. It's got to be something special. Oh, I wouldn't say it's better than Biltong, but I'm saying it's, 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 it makes me happy. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good stuff. No, that's awesome. All right, well, we'll be, be sure to catch you when you're down this way. I'll mark that in the diary, and, and yeah. uh, we might get down that way and come and say hi. But um, yeah. other than that, I think um, we might call it call it a night. I think that's been an awesome chat, mate, and um, certainly all the best with the, the adventures up north or up north adventures. I think it's it's great what you're doing with the family, and it should be a really awesome um, program that you put together. So. We'll, we'll keep Thank we'll you. keep an eye on it for sure, and might even make it up there. You never know. Yeah, yeah. that'll be good. And we'll plug the hell out of it too. And, and where can the guys where can the guys find you on on socials? Um, so I do apologise. There are a few pages these days. Um, so for the hunting courses, go to a wild game on Open Flame. Um, my original um, the original podcast that I used to do. Uh, Barling, Scully, and Barbecue. I'm probably going to just have a break from that until I sort myself out. So I do share a lot of things on Barling, Scully, and Barbecue just to – I've got, the got, you know, a good following on that now, so I do share my other stuff on that. So, yeah, Wild Game, Open Flame, and Up North Adventures. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and the, uh, the website is coming for uh, for both of the page, both those pages pretty soon, so I'm um, – you have you can order your tickets through Wild Game Open Flame. Uh, I think it's www. I'll be able to tell you in two seconds. www. www. Let me give me give me two seconds. I'll tell you exactly. Um, no, there you go. Right there. Say that again, buddy. W-G-O. Can you hear me, guys? Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be www. So that's coming uh, probably out next day or so. And same with up north adventures that'll be done in probably the next month or so. Um, yeah, we're, we're nearly we're nearly all booked out on up north. We're looking for a um, a single for one week and a double for the other week. Um, so we. I'm happy with the people just going in now. We've, we've basically, you know, we've reached our goal, but if we can get a full or if guys want to come in and camp, just, you know, I'm happy to cater any way possible. Amazing. Cool. That's going to be October, yeah? October, yeah. So the first week's 12th, of, 12th to the 19th, and the second week is 19th to the 26th. Um, yeah, if you do come along, um, everything is in the price, so – Everything except alcohol. So you'll get a guide, you'll get uh, a vehicle, you'll get a boat, um, you'll get access to all, all over the, the whole property, over a thousand acres. Um, 
there is a thing if you shoot a scrub ball, but other than that, you know, shoot as many pigs as you want um, and catch as many barrels as you want. So, um, yeah, if you're interested, let me know and I can help you out. Um, yeah. So, Amazing. Thank Sounds. you very much, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. And um, I love what you guys do. I've, I've been a long, long time listener. I come in and out. It's, um, you know, I love driving. Most times I drive, listen to you guys while I go hunting. So, um, yeah, you, you're my cheat sheet for Nundle. Um, <laughs> so the first, first time up there, I was just listening. I was like, oh, how are we going to do this? So, you guys got a bit of a, a pizzling while I was listening to you because I was just sitting there going, what's going on here? Where have we got to go? So, thank you very much for it. What you guys do, really appreciate it. Man, as I said before, that that closing the loop with the food, I think, is just fantastic, and we need to see more of it. Yeah, well, we've got a couple episodes. Um, we've just been respectful to the family. Um, we we lost a really close mate uh, due to a car accident, and uh, he's in both the episodes. So we're kind oh. of just waiting for the things to calm down. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was just before Christmas, and it really took the sting out of. Well, it took the sting out of me. I, I stopped everything for a few months, so it, um, you know, it was it, it hit hard, hit home, pretty hard for uh, for Jesse and I who do wild game because we literally were out hunting with him the week before, and we had a great weekend. And then um, Paul Luke from uh, Wells Wells Adventures life was cut short, so um. Yeah, we're just waiting for the family and I'll get the okay and we'll put the episodes out and basically it's us um, hunting Tuggalo um, and then a private um, farm not too far from there and then we go up to a place not too far from um, Gundawindi and we, we get a couple of pigs there. So um, I'll show you how to make ham and bacon on one of them and I'll show you how to make sausages on the other. Mm, fantastic. Unreal. Yeah, so, yeah. Good yeah. stuff. All right. Thanks again. We'll wrap it up and uh, we'll chat to you when you come back down this way for your courses. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Great, yeah. buddy. Good to speak to you.